Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dad Has and Bowties. I'm your co-host, Distinguished to God. What's going on, y'all? It's the Kid XAB. It's your boy D Flow. D Flow still working on that, y'all. We've been in this shit for about two months. Listen, he's still listen, working bro, on I'm it. I'm trying. Don't, don't I'm you know? Trying. He's trying. He's trying. <laughs> I'm trying, man. Um, I'm trying my so best. first and foremost, how was everybody's week so far, brothers? How was everybody's week? Uh, uh, I've been, I've been chilling, man. I, you know, been trying to do what I gotta do, man. Okay. My week's been pretty good. I uh, I wasn't feeling well at the top of the week, um, but then I've been pretty much chill, drawing, you know, the usual shit, doing mm-hmm. what I do, quarantine hours, so thing good. Okay. And D-Flow, you said, you said for the most part you've been good. Yeah, I've been good, man, just trying to stay busy, man, trying to... Um, trying to do a few things. I had one, one. In fact, we yeah, y'all gonna do the all man moment. So we, we, I'm gonna talk about it at that point. All man moment. Um, I don't really have an all man moment for this week, to be honest. Even though I just saw something weird in my email with regarding to my job, and all I'm gonna say is, if you are an employer. You cannot get mad when an employee is asking a valid and work-related question towards their vacation, bereavement, sick day, personal days, and any other days that normally are associated with an employee according to an employee's handbook at said job. Don't get mad when they ask these questions And then you want to make it seem like they should have already known this, especially when you did not give employees a handbook. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, no, bro. All I'm saying. Sound like you about to lawyer up. I don't know. Son, yo, I pray I don't have to. I pray I I really pray (laughs) because I will be like, fellas. I know we in quarantine. We're having a fucking party at my house. Look at all this dough my lawyer got us, niggas. Come on. Because. Got to hire one of them Weinstein niggas. Bro. Son. Oh, no. I looked at my email like, yeah, I can't wait to dig in. They got the wrong one. I've been telling y'all I've been fucking with. They've been fucking with me for a few months. It looked like shit about to hit the fan. So uh, Yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, personal time off. Uh, definitely. I mean, they have to they have to have a breakdown for you. So, um, it all depends on what your status at the job is. If it's part time, full time, 
whatever may have you. Things change depending on those factors. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully they, hopefully everything works out. <laughs> I hope everything works out. Speaking about working out, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it already, we are talking about Insecure Season 4, Episode 5. Um, this was a very interesting episode. Um, so for, for those of you who don't know, we got to bring you up to speed. So for the first three episodes, I think XAB would agree with me. This season started off pretty like, nah, like a limp dick. Like, uh, he's hard, but uh, he's going down. He's, nah, he's not fucking it. Uh, no. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'd use that terminology. But uh, yeah, okay. I, 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 All right. That, that's how you want to group that. If that's how you want to summarize that, just don't speak for us when you summarize okay. that. Okay. All right. That's that's all you. All that, right. that, but, that's how but, you internalized it. Then okay. But this season, this season has not been the best season uh, for me. For me, sir. <laughs> this season has not been... Uh, Making me thirst for the next episode mm. at all. So um, I liked I liked see I like episode three. Um, I think that was like I mean not episode three episode four uh-huh. the the block party itself. Right. I think that was the first time I kind of got invested in in this season. Okay. This season, um, I have to say, bro, episode one and two, I ain't know who the fuck I Issa and Molly was. <laughs> I, I I thought I thought it was some other chicks they hired to play them because they did not look like themselves. Mm. I don't know if y'all niggas thought the same thing, mm. but that that haircut Molly had wasn't winning. The I don't know if it was the this entire season four is shot like a sitcom. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if y'all yeah. noticed it. Whereas the previous season was a much more a hotter type of warmer look to it. Right, and this season has mm-hmm. a very pale look. So um. It's more so shot to me, right? Like I'm watching like a cable, like you know, like a, a NBC show almost or a ABC show. But um, besides that, this season, season four in total has been, it's been cool. Like I get the storyline and I see where the the dissolve is happening. Is um, but yeah, by far my favorite episode so far this season has been episode four, <clears throat> um. Even episode three a little bit when they um right. when 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 Molly decided to not to not do the favor that shit got me and sick then, that shit got me I, so I, sick I think that's the I think you bring up a good point uh, D Flow though but I think that that's the problem with this season in previous seasons it almost <laughs> felt like you were just kind of watching a group of black people that were very similar and you could relate to and then some problems would arise in it. That you would be like, oh yeah, like I see this in my friends, or I, I see this happening within a, a group of friends. But this season feels like a sitcom. Like it feels yep. like there there's a storyline attached to it, and we're watching the storyline unfold. And I don't really like that that storytelling style for Insecure. Like it, it like even in the beginning, it starts off with Issa on the phone with nathan i believe it is that she was talking yeah, to yeah yeah saying oh, oh i don't fuck with molly so now it's like all right so we already know that this whole season is going to be leading to why Issa doesn't fuck with molly right. and i don't know this this storyline shit just not hitting for me yeah it's 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 too structured if that makes sense it's it's too structured it's too for insecure yeah for yeah, sure for insecure like this show like i think x brought it brought it up great like mm-hmm. it 
in previous seasons just felt like the season just went by. And not to say that in a bad way, but it just seems like the situations happened. It seemed more organic. The feel of it felt more organic. This season just felt too sitcom. I mean, Dave, they, they, it's not it's not a bad watch still. It's still a great watch. It's just um you could tell the difference. You could tell that the writing style changed. You could tell um you could tell the way it shot was changed. The writing style changed and they got more money cuz some of the scenery in season 4 they ain't never do shit like that in no other it, season. That's a fact. Scenery, the money, that's the money, the budget got bigger. I'll tell you that. Budget got bigger. I mean, they that's have Vince Staples on the shit. That's so. what I'm saying. The budget yeah. got bigger. The budget went up, boy. They had Kyla so, Pratt. Um, they had Kyla Pratt, y'all, from fucking The Proud Family, Disney. Come on, son. Kyla Pratt doing a filler at that. Kyla I mean, Pratt they was had mad. She was they looking had like mad a snack. Fillers in this shit. Yeah, they had a lot of fillers. They she was looking like a snack. Mad fillers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had mad fillers from a lot of guest people. Like they had Bill Ben, Bill Bellamy. Bill be up. They had mad yeah. people. Yeah. They had mad fillers from different people. Yeah. My 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 thing about it too is just um. How y'all felt from see from episode three? I know shit was about to hit the fan from the way Molly was acting because Molly reminds me of one of those friends that um the minute you the minute you can't serve the purpose they need you to serve, right? They start to disconnect, right? And um, it's kind of interesting to watch it play out. Issa has her faults, but. I don't know. I felt. I feel like Molly. That was some some fuck girl shit. Molly was on. To be honest with you, out of out of all of the friends, though. So let's categorize this for people who don't really know. So we have four women, respectively, women of color, respectively, progressive women, respectively, women who in some aspects of their life, command a bit more authority than most people and women that, for the most part, have very diverse, complex personalities. But out of this group of four women, I'm talking about Molly, Issa, um, Tiffany, and Kelly. Issa, to me, is the most reliable. She's the most reliable because at some point in every single season... There's some shit that happens, and Issa is like the fix-it person. Um, Issa is the one that they're going to vent to, and Issa is going to find some way to kind of help them figure it out. Um, looking back at seasons past, when Issa was dealing with the um, the school situation with her principal, if, if we remember that properly, and she had a falling out with her coworker, then her coworker actually became like her boss at one point. Um, and Issa kind of like was diminishing it, but she was just trying to, um, stay out of something that she felt like she had no business being a part of. And then when she actually tried to do something about it, she was shut down. So I think, um, with that being said, all of her friends really haven't been there for Issa as much. And this season, I think we're going to see that more. So there's something interesting that happened. Um, at the beginning of not last week's episode, the episode before that. So episode four, episode four, when Issa goes, oh, my God, guys, the press is about to interview me. And everybody was like, "Woo!" as soon as they said, "Woo!" when she moved, the woo died. I don't know if y'all picked that up, but I was watching that closely. So that's one thing that I noticed. Like, oh, that's a little weird. And then the other thing that happened was towards the 
end of that episode, prior to them arguing, the last time you saw Issa and Molly together is when Molly was like, hey, I didn't know if you got a chance to, but I got you some wings. And I don't know if the wings... Like, I said it was genuine after I watched it again, but now I'm thinking about it like, I don't know because I feel like the wings was like a buffer because she didn't just bring her the wings. At that moment, Molly wanted to talk to Issa. She couldn't talk to Issa, and then Issa's uh, executive assistant was like, hey, you got to go. And then when, um, I don't know his character's name in the show, but uh, Little Rel, Little Rel was playing Vince Staples' manager. Shout out to Little Rel. Little Rel was like, hey, Andrew, thank you so much. And he was like, no problem. That's when Molly found out that Andrew had helped Issa. But at the same time, how can you get mad if Issa was reaching out to you initially and you dubbed this shit and now you want to have an argument, um, but you really feel bad because you were not a part of it? That's why you really I mean, I think that there's a lot of different parts to what you said that we got to break down first um i don't agree that isa is the most reliable i think that isa uh values friendship the most out of out of the four characters but i wouldn't consider her the most reliable i would say the most reliable would be probably kelly uh or 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 molly in terms of like being the ones to get things together and stuff we're talking about reliable being reliable in the same breath of responsible, I think that it would be Molly or Kelly, um, maybe even Tiffany. The only reason I didn't say Tiff is because with the baby, she can't really yeah, she can't be in the... But um, before the baby, like I would say that she was another one that would be more reliable. But Issa values the friendship, I think, the most out of all of the women involved. So right. that... That, I think, is an important distinction because just because you value the friendship doesn't necessarily mean you know how to cater to it appropriately. Okay. I personally feel like Molly is wrong in the situation, but I did see some comments and some people state like how they felt like Molly has a point because Issa is, is the friend that is always asking for something. Okay. So... Which is true. Issa always needs help. Every season is about Issa needing help at the end Mm. of the day. Um, But I just feel like in terms of friendship, as Molly has been portrayed in this season, it's not even it's not just so much about I think one Molly thinks she's teaching Issa a lesson by not helping in her mind. She's teaching Issa a lesson. But I also feel like um, for Molly to exist as Molly she needs Issa to be the failure. Like, in order Damn. for her to feel that, good about herself. Yeah. Yeah, in order for her to feel good about herself and feel like she's in a, a a place of success, Issa has to still be that friend that fails at everything. And this is the season that we finally see Issa kind of be successful at something. Yeah, we're seeing her, like, actually do something and it work for the first time. She doesn't end up flat on her face. And Molly doesn't know. It doesn't seem like Molly knows how to deal with that. That is a yeah, that's, I, that's I, a great I, point, brother. I I agree a hundred percent. And I feel like a lot of a lot of best friendships, especially more more so in I see this more so in women than I see so in men. And and 
me and Tiff were just talking about that, and I, and it's not to throw shots at women. It's just something that I've noticed throughout my life with a lot of female best friends. It's all one of them have to. It's like it's always a. There's always one. They're always one upping on one another. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like they're always trying. It's like they have a secret competition happening amongst themselves, mm. and it almost seems as if though one of them prides themselves on the other not doing as well. You feel me? And and it's weird because what I saw with Molly was like, and Issa said it the best. She's like, you would rather see me fail than to help, and. It's funny because the favor Issa asked for wasn't even a dramatic favor. Like Molly has then way more, way more extravagant favors for Issa. I felt like Molly has let Issa fucking sleep in her crib for like a week and a half. All she asked for was, you know, let can you ask this dude? I didn't even know this nigga worked for Live Nation till they. I didn't even know. Yeah, so when they said that shit, I was like, this show is spicy. This this show is spicy. Yeah, and then. You know, for Molly to say no, I mean, if I'm your best friend and I'm asking you to do a favor for something that you know is important to me and you chose to tell me no because you feel as if though this relationship with this person is more important than, you know, anything else and I'm not asking you to do a favor that could actually damage your relationship, I don't see what the... Although I think... Molly was probably I think that was a, I think that 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 excuse was a cop out. I don't even think that was real. Like in terms of of oh, I'm bit, I'd rather protect the relationship than ask for this favor. That was just bullshit, in my opinion. No, that was just her trying to teach Issa a lesson. Mm. But a lesson based on what? You feel me? Like the lesson on what did the lesson do? And then to turn around now, the favor she asked for the favor from another nigga. The favor worked out. The, the nigga your wit isn't tripping. Like he's actually happy. He's he's happy. He's like, oh out. word, yeah, I'm good off that. And now you're turning around and making it into a scene. I don't know. That I was just know. jealousy. I think that was just jealousy rearing his ugly head right then and there. Because at the end of the day, even if you were upset, that would be something that you would call Issa later that night or the next day and be like. Yo, I kind of feel like you went behind my back. But even so, it's like, for me, I'm like, how would you even think that's going behind your back? Like, that whole scenario was just a lot because it's like, I asked you, you said no. I have another friend who is connected to this person, and I asked them, and they say, all right, cool, I got no problem asking him. And they do it. That's not going behind anybody's back. Like, they will was there some magic gate that said, don't talk to my man? Like, I don't I don't know where the going behind the back. You felt uncomfortable because you didn't want to get your relationship involved. Cool. So I'm going to ask someone that I'm talking to that's his friend. That I mean, to me, that whole situation just showed Molly was jealous of Issa. Molly was jealous. And, and I'm just like, it's wacky, bro. Because if my girl works at a company that I know y'all are doing something at that could benefit or help in whatever event that y'all are trying to do and y'all come and y'all ask me yo bro can you ask tiff the da 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 and if i especially if i feel like as if though it's not even a you're not asking me for bread you're not asking me to do something that's out of my way and it's not going to put tiff's job at risk 
then how is this favor a hindrance to whatever is going on? D-Flow. And at the end of the day, Tiff can say yes or no. D- D- That's it. D-Flow. She can either say, I can't do it or I, can't, I could. I just breathed deep. XAB moved to the side and looked at my face. You just fucking triggered me. I'm not going to say no names. All I'm going to say is this situation is complex news. That's, that, that's all I'm going to say. That's, I'm just going to leave it like that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You just, you triggered me, and I'm like, wait, wait. Let me, let, let me chill. Let me, let me just chill. I'm in thirty. I'm thirty now, y'all. I'm just, I'm trying to hold it the fuck down. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm not trying to do that no more. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know what you're, I know. It's funny because I know what you're referencing. Yeah, but it's still, it's still not in the same ballpark. It's not. Like, it's not. But we that that particular thing we should not have had to ask for. Because I've done favors that nobody necessarily asked me to do. But I'm like, you know what? Let, let, me, do, let me step in. Let me help out. Mm. And X has done the same fucking thing. That's all I'm saying. And you have always been doing that since I met you, D-Flow. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes you just yeah, know. I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I look at things from a different point of view. Like, I never mind doing favors for people. However, the favor has to be well within my power to actually accomplish. Okay. Like if you ask if you ask me to do a favor and I know it's a favor that comes down to something within my capabilities of doing, mm-hmm. then yeah, I can make that decision and and then deal with it upon whatever timing is necessary to get it done. If I have to ask a favor for someone else to a different person, then I also have to consider the favor I'm asking and who I'm asking that favor to, one, and two, if I actually think the person I'm going to ask this favor from, is it going to if is it going to actually hinder them? You feel well, me? Well, the only so, reason why it may hinder them, big bro, is because they may look at you or indirectly looking at the situation that they could help set you up. They may look at that as you know what I could really help distinguish right now, but you know what that nigga is competition. So I can't help propel his shit because he going to leave me in the dust. Knowing that, Distinguished not even like that. I'm trying to bring niggas up. True. The mentality it, is it, fucked it, up. The mentality is fucked up. And in Issa and Molly's situation, they're not even in the same business. They're not even doing the same yeah, Issa, thing. There's no reason. Issa works for a fucking law firm. What the fuck? Yeah, like... like uh, Molly works with a law well, Molly, firm. Molly, 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 right. Yeah, but so it's like there was no reason for Molly to do it, but Molly also understood that the more independent Issa gets, the less she needs her around. That part is real in friendships and relationships and in business. And it's funny because I was talking to one of my homegirls last night and she was basically saying <clears throat> like with women because women's Friendships are almost like relationships without sex. They're much mm-hmm. deeper than relate than how you know men have friendships. They're okay. like she was saying she was breaking it down like you know, women tell each other every intimate idea and thing that happens with them. They tell their homegirls all about the sex. Like I know that the three of us, if we ever talk about a sexual situation, is never in extreme detail. I've n- I've never. Sat in detail, like, and then this, like, but she was like, you know, women me. do that. That would probably be me. 
Yeah, but even with you, it's not the same as the way girls do it, like, um, based off of how she was describing. And based off of me having conversations with some of my female friends sometimes when they want to get really detailed. But um, she was saying, like, their discussions revolving around things are a lot more intimate than men. And then when something starts to pull your friend away from that, and that intimacy, I guess, is stretched or, or thinned out, that actually causes a, a fracture or it causes an argument or issue in between said individuals in the friendship. I know that at least I can only speak about our friendship um, on this show. If one of us starts to get more busy, it doesn't affect the friendship unless it's affecting something that we're doing together. And the, the, like the busyness is now starting to affect some other things, but it doesn't affect the friendship. Like if if Flo starts getting mad clients or I hit the road or you got mad shows to do or something like that, it's never a matter of like, oh, yo, I haven't been able to speak to Distinguish in three days. Fuck is wrong with this nigga? Like it's never it doesn't come to that. It's more so on some like, ah, yeah, my nigga's busy right now. So I'm gonna holler at him when I get to holler at him. Um, But when she put it in that perspective, it made a lot of sense as to what was happening between Molly and Issa. Molly is is a little jealous of, of the fact that Issa is actually doing better for herself. But Molly is also scared that she's losing her friend. Mm, mm, deep shit. That That is a interesting thing. My bro, nigga because... XAB about to be a sports analysis, y'all. My nigga be breaking motherfucking <laughs> shit down. <laughs> I keep be busting it, these it, walls. It, it's <sighs> literally... All right. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I got got a little excited for my guy. I'm sorry. All right, all right, sir. I need you to relax. <laughs> Tranquilo, sir. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think X hits the nail on the head with that. I mm. think that's the biggest. That's the reality. Women, women, especially women best friends, bro, is literally like it's it's literally like a relationship. There, it's way more deeper. Not to say that us like not not to say that us men aren't aren't we don't have deep relationships as well with our male friends. It's just we don't we're we're vague. I think we we speak very vaguely when we do men, talk. Men have problem with intimacy with women, so intimacy with other men is definitely it's, it's not it's sketchy. It's sketchy. It's not sketchy. getting there. It's so not, that's it's why. I mean, it, like it's not, we get it, not, we smashed, we smashed. <laughs> Exactly, great. and that's about. It. That's yeah, about you got. It. You're gonna get. Was the sex good? Did you have sex? And if something, if anything, like if she did something wild, you might, yo, my nigga, like she, she was wilding out. Or if you she feel like, you, or if you feel like you really fucked the shit out of her, you might be proud enough about yourself. Like, yo, my nigga, I had that girl. She was wilding, but that's as far as it's going. It's not going into like, yo. Yeah, she did this, and the the spit was dripping, and I really liked it. It felt good. Like you're not like no, you're no. not getting all of that. We're, not, we're not doing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's only you, bro. That's only you, bro. That's only you that's doing that. I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that, son. That's just too much for me. Whatever works for you, though. Oh man, so. 
Um, so you wanted to talk about the avoidance? Yeah, the so... Issa avoids my... So Issa tries to do a good few deeds and still ends up getting shitted on. So now we're talking... So guys, so now we're talking about the last episode, which was episode five, which premiered this week, this past Sunday. So throughout this entire episode, this was the first time I saw Issa not just dub um, her world. She even was dubbing a world that was created because... She fucking dubbed her world. So what do I mean by that? So for those of you guys who didn't see the episode, we're going to fuck it up now. So um, that's why you just got to watch it. Um, Get you to HBO um, and find $15 a month. Um, so Man, this shit come out Tuesday. Y'all niggas better have right. caught it by that. Right. So a whole nother episode would have came out by the time this shit dropped. Exactly. Exactly. So um, Issa is waking up at the beginning of the episode. And what I do like about this season that never really happened in the other season is that her mirror talks back to her. So her reflection talks back to her in the mirror. That never happened in no other season. So shout out to them for adding that. I actually like that. So it's like her, but then it's like her conscience um, talking to her or trying to talk her out of some shit. So Issa is dubbing Kelly and Kelly is the one, you know, going back to what XAB was saying. Kelly is trying to be the responsible one in the friendship saying, hey, listen, bitch, you argue with that bitch. Y'all bitches need a fucking makeup. All right. Stop. Stop. Stop being so bitchy. But Issa's dubbing her shit. She don't want to have that conversation. Issa goes to a I guess it was a paint and sip. And Issa meets up with a group of women um, at this paint and sip. And they randomly get into this conversation. You know, they start to see some type of interest that, you know, each of them kind of share. Issa ends up going to the bathroom, ironically, with one of the women that she met at the pain and sip. And then she got dubbed while they were peeing on the toilet in separate stalls. Issa gets out, try to figure out what happened to Shorty, goes back to the table she was at, finds a fucking letter. And the letter is basically a to-do list. And on the to-do list was meet a total stranger and ditch him. And that's what the fuck these bitches did. <laughs> that shit was low-key funny, but I felt bad for her. Like, damn, she's trying to do the right thing. And then before she did that, the shit that had me rolling was when she had the nigga in the car, the old man. That shit had me dying, son. And this this dude was just wilding out with her. And she was just trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to do the good thing. And then I really thought that towards the end of the episode, she was going to beat those bitches' ass, but it was just all on her head. I was so tight when they did the flashback. I was like, this is some bullshit. Um, but, I mean... Yeah. No, I was just going to say, for me... No, continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. And this is the first time, y'all. See, this is how you know I'm watching shows, both from an actor's lens and a viewer. This was the first time, y'all, in the entire Insecure season of series, drumroll, please... We actually fucking saw Issa's mom. So now I predicted this because I knew this was going to end. I said they're going to have to figure out a way to get their family lives involved now because we're getting deeper with our characters. We're in season four. The show is getting old. So they got to figure out a way now to kind of draw us in differently. And I think we're going to learn about Issa's past growing up. And we're going to find out why her and Lawrence got together in the first place. And I feel like it's going to be some bullshit. But these are my predictions. I'm done. Um, what I was going to say is I think the so the start of Issa trying to do good deeds started with her trying to pay for this uh, woman's groceries at the grocery yes, store. Yes, yes, yeah. And and her card gets declined. <laughs> declined, <But> I, boy. <laughs> twice. Twice. 
So, but for me, the way I viewed all of that is, one, she let Molly get in her head, and she was trying to combat what Molly was saying mm-hmm. um, regarding her being someone that always needs somebody or a user. She wanted to be there. And so she she wanted to be the opposite. She wanted to be someone that gives. And I think because she was in that mindset, I feel like she was doing the most, in my opinion. She was doing the, it wasn't It wasn't even about good deeds. It was trying to prove Molly wrong. And that's why the universe, if you will, was stopping her at every step of it because it was like, all right, you you aren't doing a good de- deed for this young lady. You're trying to prove to yourself that what Molly said about you isn't true. So you're trying to buy her groceries, but you know you don't got the money. You know you don't got the money to do that. You're trying to <laughs> take a stranger to his destination um, but you know that that's a bad idea. Like, regardless, in this time and era, it's never a good idea to pick up anybody. Well, I'm just going you know to interject with that. So when I saw that, I feel like somebody told on me. Because I definitely did that for a random stranger, like at the end of 2018. I saw a random stranger. I mean, I saw a random stranger literally miss the bus, bro. And I literally was like, hey, I saw you miss the bus. This, this is actually when I had my maxima. You know, shit was clean. She was like, um, who are you? I was like, listen, I'm uh, doing deliveries. I showed her my ID through the window. I said, listen, I don't know where you're going, but I'll take you wherever you got to go. She hopped in the car. I took her to the hospital because she was a nurse. I mean, listen, that uh, kudos, I you, bro. Uh, kudos, kudos to, to you, you, sir. But that could have ended way more tragic Side. than it did. so i mean i would never encourage anybody to do that not in today's (laughs) day and age where nigga especially not in new york where you got transportation yeah i did it in brooklyn i did it in brooklyn Brooklyn too many too many niggas trying to set you up too many people crazy too so but many ops out there man yeah back to to e so she does it uh, thinking that she's doing a good deed she ends up picking up like this senile old man who's wilding out the whole ride through um so doing the most again she ends up at the paint and sip she goes by herself which is cool niggas do that you know niggas <laughs> could go to places by themselves she meets up with the young ladies and then again tries to overcompensate by sharing the wine right. that she bought and being like hey everybody could get a, a sip of this so this inc- you know allows the young woman to include her and then they're like, yo, we about to go to this bar. You want to come through? And then they're like, and she's like, all right, cool. Um, not to say that that piece of it was wrong, because I think a lot of people would make that same decision. But you overcompensated all day and up until that point. And then when you get to this, this bar, these women ditch you because they're doing this bridal shower. I mean, this bridal party situation where they're just doing all the wildest shits they can do before their friend gets married so you get caught up in some shit that you weren't even supposed to be caught up in because you're trying to combat molly all episode long but then when you see molly you walk away from her instead of actually talking to her so that's why i'm like this kind of was a metaphorical episode in my opinion because the entire episode is about Issa fighting what Molly said about her, but when she finally gets to a point where she could actually have a conversation with her, she it's, walks it's, away. It's so funny that you say metaphorical because I'm thinking about it a bit deeper now. I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm like, so Issa, towards the end, 
of having this fucking horrible ass day. Issa, which I don't remember Issa doing this in any other episode. This is the first time we saw our protagonist break down and cry. I don't remember her. I don't remember her mm-hmm. crying when um, she had the situation with Nathan, even though that wasn't too dramatic, but he did ghost her shit. Um, legit. Um, I don't. I think she did. I think she did cry okay. about Nathan. It wasn't as it wasn't as prevalent as the mother situation, and I think she definitely cried about Lawrence. Lawrence, Lawrence, yeah, she definitely yeah. Cried about okay, Lawrence, too. Lawrence, I agree. She cried. She did cry about Lawrence when Lawrence left the first time, and she sat at her door and her okay. she cried. When yeah, she, her back was against the door, and she cried in okay. the apartment. But I think this is the first time they like really dramatized her crying mm. for her mom. I think. When Issa saw Molly at the restaurant that Issa wanted to go to, bringing it back to Exa's point, she probably needed to have that conversation. But throughout the whole entire episode, she was trying to overcompensate for what Molly said to her the day before because she felt like she needed to now be this type of person. So it was very interesting. Very interesting, and that's been that's been Issa's uh, character flaw with between her and Molly the entire time is she concedes to Molly most of the time, like even if she doesn't necessarily agree with Molly, which was portrayed with the whole parking right. situation, where it's it's evident that Issa had that parking spot, but they had but Molly that shit took was it. too funny that we would have been we would have been playing <laughs> we would have been dancing there for mad long, son. But a calmly backed my ass right in there, boy. I've been like, yo, first of all, that's some LA shit. Cause in New York, <laughs> that's nigga, prime parking position. Pull up and you see me reverse. Ain't no way I'm giving up my parking spot because you drove in behind me. Niggas would have fought. It would have been a fight. Yeah, that was, nah. that, that's how that would have worked out. Ain't, ain't no way my- taking my fucking parking spot. And then for Molly to look at her like she was entitled to that spot was like, nigga, you know you you drove your nose into that shit and stopped her from parking. That ain't your spot, That shit dog. was crazy. <laughs> that that shit ain't was for you. She's absolutely wrong for that. Speaking about Wildin, I'm not absolutely. quite sure what else has been new with this motherfucker, but uh, Takashi 69 is back and he's been Wildin. <laughs> he's been Wildin. Yeah, doing a lot. So he returned doing as every everybody knows. He returned like two weeks ago. Um, we had a couple episodes on his return, but they weren't able to come out. But I mean, everybody see scenes seen what happened. A lot of y'all are already in the loop. He came back. Instagram basically broke. Had he had two million viewers on his IG. He glorified his snitching which sparked the conversation around what snitching is and who uh, is he wrong for snitching or is he right for snitching? And uh, that conversation has brought up a whole bunch of different things. And so uh, he also dropped a video that like YouTube, like supposedly crashed, but a lot of people are reporting that they seen bot activity on that video, including myself. I remember I went to the shit, um, when it dropped and I saw like, uh, 
the same comment like that a thousand times from different names. So I already know that there was some wacky shit going on there. Um, nonetheless, uh, Takashi has garnered a, a lot of supporters. A lot of people are supporting him, um, which says a lot about hip hop culture and where we are now. And a lot about our culture in general, where we value clout over real life situations and what's really happening. We're really stuck in this form of the matrix where if a nigga's popping on IG, then we could forgive every little thing that they've done, including the rape allegations against him, including all the other things. And I don't bring that up because I don't like him. It has nothing to do with that. I actually wish for any young person to succeed, but it's just a matter of when you appropriate culture and appropriate a lifestyle, but then when that lifestyle actually catches up with you, now all of a sudden you're not part of that lifestyle and you don't live by those rules and that's not for you. You you If you're man enough to put out a hit, you should be man enough to hold your end of the stick when you know people come back to, to, to basically put you in jail. So um, that's my piece on what's happening with him. But with him uh, embracing this, this snitch name, he started snitching on people. So one of the people that he snitched on was Snoop Dogg, where apparently Snoop Dogg allegedly cheated on his wife with this Instagram model. And the Instagram model shared the video with Takashi and Takashi put the video up and it has like Snoop Dogg with his ass out. Um, oh. Yeah, Snoop, Snoop Dogg with his ass out. Like going to the TV or some shit like that. You want to see this, and, this long nigga ass, bro? And and then like you can hear the the shorty in the background, and so Takashi is like, you know, oh, you talking about snitching, but you cheating on your wife. You can't say nothing to me. And Jesus Christ. So that that you know was a little bit of a back and forth, um, and then Takashi went on to come after Billboard and Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber claiming that Billboard fudged their numbers to take away his number one spot and give it to Ariana and Justin Bieber, which Billboard responded by putting out their metrics and how they uh, count their number ones and what goes into that and and all of of those uh, little situations. Um, So, yeah, so he's coming back and he's trying to, Cause a lot of controversy. Um, I'm just going to wrap up by saying, for me, I feel like his star is dying, me personally, because it, it feels like a gimmick. And I don't think, like, that first week was that first week, but like I said, when he first came out, I, I needed to see what happened after the initial spark of, oh, he's back and he's going to be controversial. Um, and what I'm seeing is people are not, Besides, like, besides people going back and forth with him, like Snoop Dogg, I get why he went back and forth with him. You putting my wife um in this, but if you just ignore this nigga, he's he's a troll. He will go away, and I feel like people aren't like holding on to the shit that he's doing. It is almost more like the media still trying to push this nigga to some extent by putting, oh, he's 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 beefing with Ariana Grande. Oh, he's beefing with Snoop Dogg, but. The overall consensus, like I don't, not a lot of people on my timeline are still talking about this nigga. You said mad people on your timeline are still talking about him. 
No, not a lot of people on my timeline oh. are talking about this nigga. Honestly, bro, my whole opinion on that situation is just that Takashi 69 has figured out, and I said it from a while back, he has figured out trolling down to a science, and he knows how to trigger and get people involved in what the fuck he's doing. The marketing strategy is a risky, 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 risky one. However, if it does pan out, which it did for him, it it's the reward is great. But Takashi Six Nine, the, my problem with he's not like he makes garbage music. I wasn't a big fan of his music at first, but he has a certain he has a crowd and a vibe that complements that crowd. I just feel like right now with the whole snitching situation, I mean, I respect it. Kudos to him for embracing it and making it into something that's purchasable. And he's selling that, that likability. But at the same time, you can't make that seem cool. Because then you have innocent kids who's going to follow up behind you thinking that they could do the same goddamn thing until they get shot. So, shot that. That and it, I don't, I think because people... When when Six Nine first came out, people didn't know he was trolling. They thought he might actually be about some of the shit he was talking about. But now everybody knows that you're not about shit. Like you're not fighting anybody. You're not shooting anybody. All the shit that you claim you're about, we know that that's not really in your character. So when you troll with Snoop Dogg, who can really get somebody to come shoot you if he wants to, you know, I'm not putting that on Snoop Dogg. But if he wanted to, it could go down. Like, no one is really paying attention to it in the sense of, oh, is this a real beef? Because it's not. It's like, Takashi, you're going to say all these things on the internet. But in the meantime, like, if you ever do get caught out in the street, like, I really fear for that man's life. It's not going to be a a fun day in the park. You know, like, a lot of people, I guess, when he first went away, wasn't sure if there was going to be some form of retaliation. It's like, no, there is. Definitely going to be a form of retaliation. Nigga had to move twice. And he just... I just feel like the the gimmick is up. That's how I feel about it. The gimmick of trolling is up. It's still going to get responses. It's still going to get uh, little... Like, people are still going to give him some clout because of it. But it doesn't hold the same weight as when people wasn't sure if it was a gimmick or not. I agree. I agree. He's they going to catch die. him at the chicken spot with the hundred <laughs> shots. He's going to die, bro. I'm not like I'm. I'm not even saying that to be extra. But if anybody is able to catch up with him and catch him, he is going to die. That or is going to be a huge federal situation. But I'm I'm assuming that if they're catching him, there will be no police security or nobody around, which is going to be very hard because I'm. Sure, he has a detailed security around him 24-7 now, but if anybody is able to catch him at, at any moment in time, just them and him, it's not going to be a, a good news cycle for hip-hop. He's going to be, he's going to die, and then we're going to have a whole bunch of, oh my God, he should have never been hurt, he should have never died, why did why does hip-hop so violent and all this extra mm-hmm. bullshit, when it's like, he, he has definitely put anything that's coming towards him on himself. Gotta respect it though, man. Gotta respect it. I don't know, son. Like I I have torn feelings when it comes to things like this because 
a part of me wants to be like, you know what? Maybe they plant this out. Maybe the marketing strategy was designed to be played out like this and designed to be executed like this. And the next part of me just feels like maybe he really is bitch made. Maybe he really is on some walkie pataki shit and just doing shit for clout. <laughs> but the world may never know. Nah, he is definitely. I think what it is is, I think it's a mixture of both. I think he was painted into a corner. You you have to own snitching, or other people are going to use that to to downplay your career for the rest of the time that you're out. So he just, I think that yeah, in terms of a marketing strategy, you can look at it and be like, oh yeah, that was a an interesting move to do, and it seems to have worked out. But on the flip side of it, it's also a pigeonhole move. It's a desperate move. Because you can't, you can't remove that once you you paint yourself all in it, and and it's really going to be interesting to see who decides to feature with him moving forward, who decides to fuck with him in the industry moving forward. Yeah, it ain't going to be Cardi B, who's the hottest out. Uh, I don't see a Drake ever fucking with him. You know, Meek not fucking with him. You know, Snoop not fucking with him. None of the real big names in hip hop are really dealing with him. So it's really going to be interesting. To see who has his back to keep his music afloat and get him getting new audiences. Well, he's going to be paying a lot of money to get people involved back. Because unless you really got people fucking with you like that, you're just going to be paying more money for features. You're going to be paying more money to do this, more money to do that. Everybody's going to be charging you because everybody's going to think it's a risk. So it's just what the reality is. And labels are probably not even going to let certain artists touch this nigga's music. It's just an automatic dub. No. Drake is not on none of six. No. Never would do a collab with Six Nine. I could see Kanye oh, no, doing I, another that would one. Hurt his, that would Drake doing a Drake doing a that could uh, possibly kill Six Drake. Nine's going to hurt his career. That, that, that would probably yeah. kill Drake. I don't know if it's going to kill nah, him. Not kill his career. I don't know if it's going to kill his career. That'll stop the run. But that shit would definitely yeah. make his next album flop. Yeah, he would he would be out of the Jay Z conversation if he did some shit like that for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just look at it like like you said. I mean, the ones who are willing to will beat him over the head, and he probably will go broke in a couple of years. But beyond that, only niggas that'll do it is going to be niggas like Kanye right. West, who he already got a feature with. Maybe maybe Nicki. I don't even know where Nicki stands with this whole shit. Um, but I don't really see the baby or Meg. Who he would need right now, I think, to really mm-hmm. kind of keep that buzz going. I don't see neither one of them. Maybe Meg could slide away with it, but Meg would have to charge him an arm and a fucking leg. But the babies will slap his ass if he acts for a feature. I don't really see the baby jumping on a fucking six nine record. So it's just a pigeonhole, desperate place to be in, and we'll see what happens. We will see. Um, we will see. So speaking about, we will see. Um. We will see this man, hopefully, when we all get to heaven. R.I.P. Fred Williams, a comedic actor, dies at age 86. Um, sources say it was natural causes. Notable work includes Everybody Loves Raymond, Wall E, and Kim Possible, to name a few. I actually did not know he fucking did voiceovers on Kim Possible. Kim Possible was my motherfucking show. So he had to have been doing voiceovers for, like, the bad guy. Um, or maybe the father, actually, come to think about it. Maybe he was the father. Um, Everybody Loves Raymond. I definitely remember seeing a clip of him and Raymond. Anybody saw Wally? I never saw Wally on Disney, so I don't yes, know what sir. the fuck that's about. 
Wally, uh, as in the cartoon Wally. Yeah, yeah, the an- the yeah, the animated. Like Wally, like yeah, he was in there yeah, doing voiceovers. Oh, yeah, gotta watch that, man. You yeah, can't, yeah, can't not be watching yeah, that shit, so. boy. Better watch that shit, man. Yeah, so I haven't seen Wally. Either. Xab would say, oh, you yeah, know, you know, it's time to give, it's time, it's, it's time <laughs> to give somebody their roses. Hopefully, you know, we can look back at his work and you know appreciate what he did for the film industry and what he did for comedic actors. R.I.P. to Fred Williams. You will be missed. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your voice. R.I.P. to you and your family. Um, moving right along. So I thought this shit was a R.I.P. I did not know we still had Blockbuster stores. Um, we spoke about this okay. uh, a while um, ago. Cool, a couple so episodes So according ago. to Blockbuster, this is the last Blockbuster on the face of the earth. This is in Oregon. So I actually did read this article. And according to the store manager, um, this is the only, yeah, Oregon, yeah. So, Oregon? Yeah, it's all the way in Oregon. So this is the last blockbuster for their friend. Like, this is the last physical store. So she was saying in the article that people have been buying DVDs like crazy. She's also been saying that since this pandemic has happened, they've been just having people line up on curbsides to give them the DVDs. What she said was what she said to me that was very interesting is that she said the number two DVDs that people were purchasing when the when the pandemic actually happened was the movie called The Outbreak and the movie called Contingent with Lawrence Fishburne and Mark Wahlberg. What do you guys think of that? What do you guys think well, of those movies? Netflix, boy. <clears throat> and and what's happening today? I I mean, I haven't seen them yet. I've seen them on Netflix, but um, I mean, t- listen, everything that that's <laughs> right. out regarding the virus is going to seem like it was mm-hmm. right on the money or whatever the case is. <clears throat> but um, as far as I know, there's some really good movies about pandemics and about viruses okay. on Netflix right now. Um, in terms of blockbuster. Um, yeah, they've been the final, they've been the last blockbuster for a while and, um, they're found, they found like an interesting way to make it like, I guess, cool to still have the physical copies of things and have people still come in and rent the physicals. Um, they were able to market it a certain type of way that made it, uh, really, really dope. So, um, kudos to them. I think that it's interesting because at the end of the day, there's a little bit of a distrust but behind everything becoming digital. Like at the end of the day, the the sore thumb that sticks out is the fact that if everything is digital, that right. means it could easily be manipulated. There there it will be much harder to like have something concrete because anything in a digital space can be changed. We see it with Wikipedia where People have the ability to change the bios of people or have the ability to change the the wording of certain things. So with everything, movies and everything moving into a digital space, it's uh, for some people, I think that it's a little comforting to have the ability to just own something physically and hold it, hold a copy of it, hold a final version of something and not something that can continuously be manipulated. Oh, uh, yeah, I DVD do. Play, it's called know? the fucking PS4, my I do. brother. It's called the PS4. 
I think a lot of people still have DVD players in yeah. their house. Yeah, shout out to my PS4. Shout out to my PS4 for getting the job done. Always. Um, sure, sure. I actually still buy... All right, my nigga. Bro, I, I, still, have, I, I still no buy them DVD player in that goddamn house. I, I have a DVD, I have oh, a DVD player in each oh, room, okay. bro. All right. Uh, 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 all, all right, right Flintstones. All right, <laughs> Flintstones. I'm going to need you to relax. Nobody has... Where are you going to buy a DVD player right now, bro? Bro, you could go to Target right now right. or Walmart and get a DVD player. Or, Fuck or a Blu-ray. Too. Or a Blu-ray. How do you think you play your games, bro? That's nothing but a Blu-ray player. Bro, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Xbox, son. I'm talking about going to Best Buy and being like, yo, you can get a DVD a, player. You can get a DVD or a Blu-ray from Best Buy, too. They didn't stop. Mm. The only thing they stopped selling was CDs. And there's still some places mm. that still sell CDs. But the only thing that naturally... Best Buy, I believe, said that they would stop selling with CDs. They still got Blu-rays. They still got DVD players. Like, there's still a there's there's definitely a uh, value in having a disc over having something digital. Now, would people rather get the digital version? I think that we're moving to that space, but I also think that there's a danger in that because nothing is nothing can really be validated at that point. Like uh, I, mean, I don't know. So over the Christmas time, my dad was like, "I want a DVD player," and I felt like I spent three weeks trying mm. to find a fucking DVD player, bro. Three fucking weeks. There was. There was I feel like, like most of the things now are hybrid. Right. They'll play DVD and Blu-ray. So mm. if you're looking straight for a DVD player, I don't know. I mean, I know that you can get one, but. I think most of the things now are like Blu-ray and DVD. Like you can't, you know, like to single it out doesn't make sense because they're both pretty much the same thing. It's just that the Blu-ray CD is able to store more data on it because the the movies the got resolution. so big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same fucking mechanism. It's a fucking laser beaming up into a CD and unlocking information onto a system that projects it onto a screen so speaking about speaking about project projecting it onto a screen big 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 shout out to um this particular uh brother who was accused of a crime that he did not commit in 2000 um so this man his name is jonathan douglas in missouri he was wrongfully convicted of a crime that happened back in 2000 um, in 2004, the guy who actually committed the crime said that he did it, but before I guess it was able to be placed on an actual affidavit that he would end up having to write, he ended up killing himself the following year. Um, so they kind of, so they, they kind of didn't put that in the mm. evidence situation to kind of prove Jonathan Douglas's innocence. So they just awarded this fucking year. A $8 million settlement because they looked at all the evidence and they said that he is acquitted of this crime. And unfortunately, he had to serve 17 years in prison before he was proven innocent. And they given him $8 million. Now, I didn't write this here, but my thing is, if you know a motherfucker didn't do the crime and a nigga say he did it and he's saying he did it and he's giving you uh, the place where he did it, uh, he's giving you evidence on why he did it his, you know, notion for, for doing it, and you got another man in jail 
wrongfully convicted because according to the article, cops didn't fucking like him. I'm going to need not $8 million. I'm going to need whatever you was giving them for their salary. Put that shit on my shit. And then I need a, a million for every year I was in prison. Fuck that. And them niggas just can't work for no police force ever again in life. I need all of that. I need all of that. I mean, I agree. I think the prob- the thing about, so the piece of it, because we all sit there and we wonder why these things like go through and how how these things can happen. Besides the fact that it's racism, the other yeah. aspect of it is there's so much, there's, there's a lot of politics associated okay. with convicting somebody. And then it being found out that you wrongly convicted someone. So if... I convict someone and I put all this evidence out here. I didn't mm-hmm. tarnish their name in the fucking community. News outlets, the media, uh, the prosecutor thinks that they, they won the case, whatever. And then the police that got the guy, they think they won. And now there's evidence saying that they have to overturn the shit. And there's also evidence that we fucking didn't like this person and that's why they got put in jail. Now all of my cases are going to get reopened. And so that's yeah. that's part of the reason why the police force does not like to overturn shit even when it's blatant evidence that someone is innocent. They they try to do it as treadfully and carefully as possible and it's wrong. It ain't nothing right about it, but that's why we see such a delay a lot of times is because there's so many political aspects of things um, associated with locking somebody up and you damn sure better hope that you got the right person because if there's evidence proven otherwise, mm. a lot of your shit can be thrown on the table. And then with the political system, I mean, the justice system itself, they don't want uh, niggas who might actually need to be convicted to be able to appeal now because this cop has been seen to be dirty or this cop has been seen to be able to put people in jail with with lacking evidence and so they now the whole justice system is a political thing like it becomes this whole political thing where they all trying to cover for one another starts to get real sketchy bro starts to get real sketchy but and it's funny because i would think that in in terms of you know when you when you when you when you're going through uh uh, um, a retrial, or you're you're trying to get a what what, what they call it again? They call it um ah the name is slip off the top of my head when you're um hung jury, when, not uh, not hung jury when you're when you appeal appeal when you're trying to get an appeal done, and is it it is a it's almost like politics because then you one you're working this entire investigation again. You feel me? And you're basically saying that, hey, whatever y'all niggas just did, we don't think is valid. We 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 think we think there's some shit that didn't go right. And like you said, when it comes, to, you're basically calling out the justice system when you do that. So you can see where that gets a little bit sketchy. So you know, sometimes you have to you have to do it because there is biases and there is people who really are out here to just you know lock us up, but. And sometimes these cases are really just, Jesus Christ, they'll be out to get us. So it's like, 
You really gotta. Sometimes you really you you gotta put the system to its make this make make them earn that dollar the proper way. But it is sketchy though, because you're blatantly saying that whatever they've been doing Speaking is about, wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, and and there's like different avenues of how that can can manifest itself. Let's say there's a officer that is looking to be promoted to become sheriff, and now you find out that fifty percent of the cases that they didn't got there's some sketchy shit and. If you let those appeals go through, you might find out some other shit. So instead of doing that, in them small towns, they rather have John Patar fucking become the the sheriff instead yes. of having him uh, not be able to get that. And then there's there's other ways of it it showing up where it's like a, prosec- a prosecutor who wants to become a right, district right. attorney or some shit like that. And now they yeah. cases they don't they don't want those shits. Facts. To... And then you got the the major conspiracies where they're all in cahoots, just trying to populate the jails. Yeah. So you know they that that's a you imagine that, bro. You imagine you look at a state like um, you look at a state like Colorado that that has like a major a, a big federal penitentiary, and then you find out like boom. You know, forty percent of the cases in Colorado are fixed, where they already have their situations plotted out, and they're just doing this for free labor. They're just trying to get more people in there. Remember, the, the federal the federal government pays you for every inmate that's in there. So for every inmate you house, the state or the federal government pay you, depending whether it's a state prison or it's a federal prison. So, excuse me. Obviously, the more people you have in your in your penitentiary the more money you receive from the state or the more money you receive from the federal government. Obviously, if you own or have shares in that prison, because prisons are are, sta- are, are um are shareholder-based, <laughs> and a lot of people don't know this, so, you know, someone's making profit. Someone's making money. And then so. you have those times where the, uh, the county's jail system or the, the sheriff's office or whatever... They don't have the budget. They don't have the funds to reopen a case. So they try to shut the shit down before it can even get reopened because it's going to it's going to show some type of money mismanagement or it's going to show some form of corruption in terms of where the money is being placed and used. And that's why a lot of this shit is nasty and grimy and disgusting. And unfortunately, the reason why they prey on black people not only because of racism is because nine times out of 10, they don't have the funds or the money to really fight and, and, you know, go up against the machine that has all these things going on where they just trying to prop up a system. So black people end up getting the shit under the stick thrown in jail for years for a crime that is easily proven that they didn't commit. And, uh, we end up here. But shout out to this man getting eight mil. He should get a lot more. Definitely should get a lot more. So, uh, Kyron Gibson, North Carolina, Raleigh to be exact, teaches his eight-year-old son financial literacy. Um, the reason for this is because uh, this young man uh, said he feels like a lot of um, upbringing in a lot of black household did not touch on financial literacy. I, for one, grew up in a household where my parents did not have any knowledge on that until they actually got to America. And even when they were learning about credit cards and debit cards and what's debt and, you know, 
assets and equity and all of these terms that are very important and integral to a young person's life, learning about financial literacy, I was not privy to any of that shit until I actually got, uh, I want to say my first debit card when I was at the age of 17. So he, um, he, he did this video with his son. The video goes viral. Everybody's praising him. And then in his interview, um, he was being interviewed, I think, by Atlanta Black Stars, the name of the publication. Shout out to Atlanta Black Star. They basically interviewed him. And one of the questions they asked him was, why do you feel like you needed to, you know, partake and give your son this information? And he goes, because they and we know who they means. He said, because they don't want us to know that shit. They do not want us to be empowered. They do not want us to know these terms because then we would start taking over because at the end of the day, they just look at us like another nigga trying to get an education. Thoughts, comments, concerns, brothers? Well, I'm going to go first. I think one of the, one of the biggest things that, that slowed us down as a, as a black community is the fact that we don't have generational wealth as mm-hmm. common within our within our within our ranks and within our within our community mm-hmm. and you know the more you spread generational wealth obviously the more you break the chain of 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 allowing other generations to come up with a bit more of a head start so at the end of the day it really and truly our generation is probably the biggest generation that had some level of generational wealth where a lot of us were able to get started decent with a, with a decent education that are not as much in depth. I mean, a lot of us are still in debt, but we're not, we're not struggling. I would believe the way, the way our, our, our previous generations were. Well, and, technically we, we're actually supposed to be the, the first generation. Um, I think either nationwide or just for blacks where we're the first one to not, uh, obtain the same amount of wealth as as the generations before us in comparison. So I think that in like in terms of like the things that assets or not even assets, but in terms of of buying power, it's the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like getting houses and stuff like that, we're not like we we we've failed in that. Like we're the first generation that isn't. Uh, adding up to the generations before us. I don't. I don't think it's that we're not adding up. I just think we there's overpopulation at hand. Mm. You know, like compared from the 1900s to now, if you want to come back the last 50 to 100 years, the world's population in general has damn near tripled. So you know, like you have to come to a realization at some point. That just in America, in the year 1910, there was barely 100 million Americans. Now it is almost 400 million Americans. So it's it's a hard thing. I think that it's just a lot of us now. I mean, back in the day, I would assume that, yeah, it was probably easier to get a house. I was going to say this generation... This generation loves apartments more than they love owning houses. So, which lets me believe this generation possibly loves renting than they more than they actually love the idea of owning something. No, we don't like. Well, we don't says, like the work. <laughs> what it says here: Millennials are widely predicted to become the first generation in U.S. history to do worse than their parents financially. There is oh, a powerful shit. temptation to equate the much maligned personality traits of millennials with their high employment rate. 
right. at 16.2%. Um, for young people, 16 to 24, it's more than twice the national average and limited financial prospects. But the truth is, as usual, more complicated. So I didn't read on. Let me see what else they're talking about. I know. I, I'm going um, I'm to I'm touch on that. And it's funny because me and my mom had this conversation the other day about Mm-hmm. She's just like, oh, I feel like you guys spend a lot of money. And I'm just like, it's not that we spend a lot of money. There's just more shit to spend on nowadays than they were back then. Back, I feel like when they were growing up, they bought the essentials because realistically, technology just wasn't there. You know, they didn't have a cell phone bill. There was no subscriptions. Well, there was no, the amount of things, they just paid their basic bills and, you know, they didn't really stress about credit card debt because credit right. cards weren't as popular as they are now. And um, I mean, they were prevalent, but I feel like we end up falling for the okie doke way more because I feel like a lot of parents that knew and got caught up in the credit card thing because they never fully got out of the credit card situation in terms of the debt. Then when we got into our shit, it's like, well, they didn't really learn from it. So how the fuck was they going to teach us anything? They didn't really learn anything. From well. According to this article, it's more about the economy um, than anything else, because it says millennials are the most educated generation in American history. Right. Um, So, you know, a lot of a lot of millennials went to college. And I think it's a combination of both is as Flo said there are everything is a subscription now. Like you can't buy Microsoft one time, Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft Office one time. You got to buy it a hundred dollars each year just to have microsoft office on your computer you gotta buy to have tv i mean cable packages are going up to like damn near three hundred dollars shit is wild to have shit is wild fucking cable on your tv cable uh, you on your netflix phone. subscription you know you got a phone you got a, everybody has a, a cell phone now not everybody had a cell phone before it was and just think, a landline and, and think about it if you're growing up in the 80s right mm-hmm there was one line in the crib, bro. There was one phone bill in the entire house. Mm. Now, if you have a family of four, if you have a family of five, that's five phone bills on top of your landline. So not only do you have your cable bill that gives you your, your landline, your phone, your internet, I mean your cable and your internet, you still have a cell phone bill that right. would have never been relevant 30 or 40 years ago. Right? So that's some. That's a whole new bill. That's an additional two hundred dollars a month or three hundred dollars a month. That wasn't a relevant factor for our parents, right? The other, the other piece to it that they're talking about is there aren't any real good jobs. So there may be more jobs in the economy, but there's more jobs like for Walmart, for Target, for uh, service type things. But they're not a lot of jobs giving you a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Which for our parents' generation and generations before that, they were able to get like $60,000 jobs pretty easily. And with that $60,000, that would be equivalent to us having like $100,000 today. So, so what that we, was another piece. But So 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 I'm, I'm asking y'all because I don't know. What do you think were those jobs back in our parents' days that was the equivalent of what a $100,000 paying salary job would be today? And why are we not getting them or why are we not getting them as affluent as our parents was? What are we missing? I'll say this. So when I was a kid, my mom was a teller and my mom on her teller's salary was able to have 
a one family house. Uh, like we we were able to live on the top floor of a family house. Oh wow! Um, in Prospect Park. Wow. West. Wow. Um, she was able to have a car. She was able to pay for all of her bills, get all of her groceries, and live pretty decent. All of that off of that. A, wow, that's amazing. A teller right now would be lucky to find an apartment in New York and hold on to and be able to to pay all of their bills on time. That's like, a fact. On a tell on a teller salary right now, you you're probably looking at a fifteen hundred dollar apartment minimum. In the hood, that's in the hood. Like you're looking tell at eighteen hundred, right really. I was about to say, tell us, tell us right now, tell us right now is making. I'm talking. They make an eighteen dollars yeah, exactly. an hour. <laughs> they make an eighteen dollars yeah, an hour. Like eighteen dollars an hour is still eleven hundred dollars every pay period. You still can't afford Squidly Dot. Damn. <laughs> and in New York, and not in New York. <laughs> and even even if you were down south, you would still, you would still, you would be, you would be just getting by. With a one bedroom, you know, seven hundred dollar apartment every two every month, like you'll be getting by. You'll just be making enough money to maybe put a hundred dollars in your savings account. Mm. And um, it's kind of interesting because it, it, that's the reality. A big part of it is back in the day. I feel like they their money was just set out. Like you brought home a thousand dollars every two weeks. Okay, cool. You know you had to pay this, you had to pay that, you had to do right. this. Gas, light. I just feel like the, the the distraction of how you spend your money, the allure of spending your money on different things just wasn't there. You feel me? It's like you technology was still kind of new, so not not everybody was willing to risk spending exorbitant amount of monies on, on technology. So it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. Like, everything was still done... In a in a very rudimentary way, and I feel like at the end of the day, you pay your bills, you buy your groceries, and that's it. <laughs> like you get a phone in your house, you don't need a computer. Go to the library if you need a if you need a computer. Even if you got a computer, it didn't astronomically exorbitant exorbitantly raise your fucking internet bill. Like mm-hmm. you still you still were fine. But now in this generation, you have data plans on top of the internet plan, on top on top of your your light, on top of your phone, on top of if you get a cell phone too, on on top of fucking if you're in a house, you got gas, you got water, you got like a lot of different things. A lot of and, and then and, and subscriptions, think about it, bro. Like taking the train to work back then. It did it. It wasn't if you had to pay twenty five cents to hop on a train in the in the nineteen seventies. That wasn't hampering your day. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Two dollars a week wasn't hampering your day. Ten dollars a month wasn't hampering your month. Now you're talking about taking the train and you have to spend a buck forty to take the train. That's a hundred and forty dollars, bro. That's a bill. <laughs> Just taking the train to work every day. If you if you don't that is a bill. It, if you had that is a bill. If you had thirty dollars in your account and you don't get paid until Friday, and it's Monday, and you got to get to work every day this motherfucking week, you're not going to eat. That's a That's hard it. reality right there. That's it. <laughs> you're talking five seventy five a day. That's twenty eight dollars a week. 
this is what this is what I'm gathering from this conversation, brothers. This could be extreme what I'm about to say, but I think some of our listeners feel the same way. That wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. You guys could take that. Take that and then hashtag that has some bow ties. Um, I think that the reason why we are in this predicament, D-Flow and XAB, outside of what they're saying, according to the article that X just read, I think the reality is this. If you don't have a job per se that possibly can turn or you allow it to help you turn it into a career and you're making, I guess, what the equivalent of our parents would be making, maybe not 60, but maybe somewhere between the 75, 80, 85 mark salary, that's not going to necessarily come from, quote unquote, a job. That's going to come from a job you start at as entry level and then you move up within the company or you move up in the title rank and then you end up becoming like some type of manager, some type of uh, assistant manager, director, uh, CEO type shit because then you probably will be able to leverage, even though things, D-Flow, would still be expensive in New York City, but at least you would be on a playing field where $1,000, $2,000, no, like maybe maybe like $5,000 worth of bills probably won't be that crazy if you're living in like Prospect Park or Park Slope because yeah, but the rent over there is peep, crazy. Peep this, right? Yeah. If you try to go rent an apartment, they tell you that your monthly rent, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever your monthly rent is, you should be making 40 times your monthly rent, right? Okay. That's that's the first thing, right? Okay. For you to get that apartment, that's 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 what the that's what a realtor is calculating. Okay. So if you're going to go get an $1100 rent, you need to be making roughly 45 to 50 grand a year. They're telling you for you to afford that. Most people are not even making some, that. Some of them might be leaning and some of them might be saying, hey, in order for you to pay your rent, your rent should only take up 40% of your salary. Of your monthly gross income, your rent should only be taking up 30 to 40% of that. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's some estimations that say it should only be 10%. Of of your salary, which is so, which is if you're like wealthy, you're supposed to only be spending like that's the only 10, niggas I know that that can do ten percent of their salary. I, I remember when I was looking for apartments a while back before before I got this spot, mm-hmm. and I was and I was looking out in Jersey. I was looking different places, uh-huh. <laughs> and I remember when I went to this one spot in Jersey, we were trying to get a, a three bedroom apartment, and it was like fourteen hundred. And the lady looked at me in my eyes. She looked me dead in my eyes. And she said, hey, your rent, if it's $1,400, you have to be making three times that to move into this apartment. Basically saying that my income, that your rent should only be taking up um, 30 to 40% of your gross income, if your gross monthly income. And if, the, and if that wasn't the case, that, if that didn't meet, that, it didn't matter what your credit was, it didn't matter how much money you have in your savings. If you didn't meet that solo requirement, they would not rent you that space. So what that told me was, if we're living in New York City and the average one bedroom apartment in New York City is about twelve fifty or thirteen hundred right now. Right? And that's the nah, average. that's not that's not even that's not it. You low balling I mean, that, broski. I'm low balling because I'm saying average. I'm talking about the when you mix the hood and everything involved. Mm-hmm. If you're if even you're, in the even in the hood right now, son, these these shits is kinda crazy. 
I, I wouldn't know. But but let's go. Let's go with that number. Let's go with that number. Let's go with that number. Let's just say. Let Let's make it an even number. That way we could we could just play with even numbers. Let's put it mm-hmm. at fifteen hundred. Let's put a round number on it. Mm. So that would be the average. Me, I was I would say. Let's say if you're telling me that the average if for if you want to get a one bedroom apartment in New York City, I have to be making at least forty five hundred a month. Now, if you break that down in the pay scale, in order for you to take home forty five hundred, you have to be making somewhere in the ballpark of at least sixty grand for you to be bringing home six forty five hundred dollars. And it's more. That's grand. more like mm-hmm. seventy grand. It's, that's looking more like seventy. Uh, which which so. which which entry level regular nigga making seventy grand, my nigga? Entry level, people, I don't know. Entry level, most, I don't know. Full time, most full time regular people are making between thirty and forty grand a year. The majority is making around that thirty to forty grand mark. Two weeks ago, I read in the New York Times, which I got like three New York Times papers behind me. Um. Do you know the guys in the hospital brothers that put the people on the gurneys and wheel them around the hospital? Those guys only make $45,000 a year. I thought them niggas made more than that. No, 45k so, a year is $20 an hour. What the so fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Well, what's happening is there was a a huge wealth gap that ended up happening between our parents' generation and our generation. Like, the wealth gap is huge between us, between what our, our parents were able to afford and what we're able to afford. Mm-hmm. And within that time, if your parent or if your family did not obtain some form of an asset or some form of equity, you're you're starting off in the race three or four miles behind everybody else. Because it's harder now to gain that same wealth and equity that your parents would have been able to get in a much easier and sustainable way because of how things were were a little bit more accessible. You could buy a house with a a $40,000 salary or you could or if both of your parents had a $40,000 salary that was $80,000, which was probably equivalent to like $150,000 right now. And so now you need $150,000 to get the same house that your parents who had $80,000 could get before. So you're like two, three, four miles behind in the race. So any millennial right now or any young person in the market, we're getting these jobs and the, the market is telling us, well, yeah, we've raised our, our prices and uh, we've raised how much we're, we're spending for this position, like before this position only gave you $30,000 and I was giving you $40,000, but it's not catching up to the wealth gap that economically is trending across the country that houses that we're able to get for 150 are now 350. If you're living in Brooklyn, a brownstone, which people didn't even want back in the day are now million dollar houses. So there's, there's hard, it's harder for us to buy into this market now because there's a wealth gap and in in new york city is is horrible the wealth gap in new york city is so you know if you look up what the average income the average person makes in new york city is going to tell you like is a 
Like it was like, I think it was like 30 million or some silly shit like that. That's the medium income. That's the medium wealth. That's the medium. What they have as the median price that everyone makes in New York City. Because there's so many wealthy people in New York City, the median says that the average person in New York City makes over like $30 million, which was insane to me. Simply because of that. And because, unfortunately, there's so much rich people in New York City, you raise the price up because we do live in a capitalistic market where supply and demand goes together. So at the end of the day, if you're saying to yourself, y'all want this apartment over in Park Slope, and you're like, yo, even if you made 90 grand a year, and you're like, yo, I could afford, I could afford to pay this, this $2,500 a month apartment. And the next guy comes, you know, Jonathan doing whatever the fuck Jonathan does. And Jonathan is worth 30 mil. And Jonathan is like, I want this apartment too, but I'm, I could pay you four grand for it. Mm. All of a sudden, that apartment is worth four grand a month. Right, right, right. And that realtor is now going to market that apartment to more Jonathans. Right. Fuck you, Susan. Like th- this is how this shit goes. And New York, New York, more, that's why in New York is so hard because then what that does is now, now Susan who makes ninety grand a month, mm-hmm. ninety grand a year, is now going to take her money and she's going to move to Brownsville because she can't get shit over at um in Park Slope no more. So she's going to push deeper into Crown Heights. So she's going to push deeper into Brownsville where the rent used to only be 800 for a one-bedroom apartment. Now, she's going to come and she's going to be like, well, I don't mind paying 1500 for this. And you see how the cycle goes? I'm not. This is, this or is the, the real- reality. Or the realtors, I mean, the, the reality of it is the realtors are ahead of the trends already because they build they build the sky rise or they build the, the $1,500 building mm-hmm. over... The the pre existing building that was eight hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and now they they renting it out for fifteen. So now those people can't come back to that building. The people that they told, oh yeah, just live somewhere else for three months, and then when we're done building, you have a spot here. And it's like, all right, you have a spot for a year, and then after this year, your lease is up, and you got to pay us fifteen hundred for the spot. Yeah. And the people that live there can't do that because their average income is thirty thousand dollars. You so, can imagine that, bro. You imagine you're paying. You imagine you're doing decent already. You're paying two grand a month for your apartment, and these niggas come and talk about, oh, we we're going to renew your lease, and your lease just went up thirty percent. Your lease just went up six hundred dollars in a drop or bro, in a blink of an eye. Not sustainable. You not can't do nothing about you that. Can't, you can't afford that extra six hundred dollars. You thought you was. You thought you were doing good affording two grand. Now you got to pay 2600 for the same apartment? Oh no, son. Oh, yeah, it's 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 a hard reality that that's what I mean in New York the the wealth gap is just tremendous. You know, like you said, you have millionaires and then you have people who barely making $20,000. Facts. I've I've seen a couple of incomes um and I'm just like, "Damn, son, this is what you living off of? How?" Like how it, it, you, it's you have to have multiple streams of income. If you, you if got you're on to the bottom feed, if not, you got to have multiple streams of income. If you don't have multiple streams of income, you would be in a world of suffocation, bro. Like you're really going to be, you're going to be struggling. And that's just a hard reality. The reality is this is too is I'm not going to get too crazy into it. Um, Cause I still fucking live here. But what I will say is that, 
um, the effects that it has go beyond um, just living here and dealing with it. It's looking at your bills every month and you live in a house where tensions are high about everything, every conversation that you hear or you overhear or you're a part of revolves around money. And it's not the fact that you don't have a job or you're not paying for bills. It's you have a job and your job is not paying enough to keep up with the bills that you already have in the house. So then what starts to happen is you start to try to take away things that you were so used to paying for already because they didn't really hurt. But then after a while, when those things keep going up year by year and your check and your salary doesn't go up year by year, it barely moves. Then you start to look at life like, yo, you are uh, you are becoming a small ass puddle, um, a, a small drop in a puddle that as you continue to fall, this ocean of water is becoming bigger and bigger. And you feel like you're being drowned in the same place that you live because you can't afford it. And now you're stuck because even if you wanted to leave, the joke's on you because you don't even have enough money to maintain where you at. So where the fuck are you going? I mean, I think the reality of the situation is a lot of people, especially millennials, a lot of us put, you know, a lot of value on superficial things. You hear a lot of times, oh, this nigga broke if he got a roommate or if he ain't move out by a certain age and things like that, which I hear it because, you know, at the end of the day, that that can show a sense of responsibility. But in the same breath, it's also not taken into account, like, the fact that some people would rather move out or or not have a roommate or have their own place when it is sustainable and they know that if they miss a check, they're not going to be asked out. They're not going to be in the middle of the street just, like, not knowing what the fuck to do. they rather have enough income coming in that if, God forbid, they lose their house or if, God forbid, they got to not get... They got to go on disability for a month because they got sick or whatever... That they could still afford everything in their life. Right. A lot of a lot of us young people are are rushing into living a lifestyle just to say that we're living said lifestyle and then be completely assed out um, because we are <coughs> barely scraping by. Right. We're making two thousand uh, dollars a week and half of that shit's going to rent. Uh-huh. And then the next two thousand dollars you get in the next two weeks. The, that shit is going to food, your phone, your car, everything else. So then at the end of the day, you got nothing but fucking $100 to $200 to your name. <laughs> and it's like, well, what the fuck you going to do with that? You can't do nothing. You can't go out. You, you, you might be able to wash your ass. You might be able to fucking do the laundry. But you're sitting there and you have no money to your name. So... A lot of us just have to be a little bit more financially responsible and understand the rules that exist. They Wealthy people suggest that your rent should be 10% of your income. I ain't going to say all that because that's extreme. But what Flo said earlier it is something to live by. It should be 30 to 40%. Because if it's 50 to 60% of what you're making, you're living on a, a seesaw that could inevitably go the wrong direction so, and you're going to be fucked up. So 
as we close out this section, because I, I, I'm withholding a lot of information just because I don't want to get too personal with the situation or slightly emotional with it because I'm actually kind of angry about certain things that's actually happening. But what I will say is this. So what do we do with this information that we just spewed out? Remember, guys, we kind of went into a tangent, but this all started from Kyron Gibson, uh, a young man. And if I'm not mistaken, Kyron Gibson actually just turned 30. He just turned 30. His mm. son is eight years old, which means he had a son when he was about 22. Um, so Kyron Gibson, uh, who also said in Atlanta Black Star, the publication, he also said that for the viewers and for the readers reading, he used to be a part of the streets. So he understood a certain type of way you have to move with money when you win the streets. So he said once he got out of that lifestyle, he said he doesn't want to perpetuate the curse of not teaching his uh, children um, not just street ebonics, but also financial literacy in the real world. And he thought it was important to teach his son not just the terms. He was teaching his son what they mean, both on the street and in the corporate world, which I thought was dope. Mm. With like, yo, that's a game changer. Like your son is going to have two different paradigms of thinking when he's out and he'll know which paradigm to use whatever situation he's in but the moral of the story is this so with the information that this brother has been teaching his son with the conversation that we just had where do we go with this information from here what remedy or what are some of the things we can start to do so that our offspring dante lily XAB's future kids, my future kids, what do we do to set them up? Especially because a lot of our parents did not have the opportunity, the knowledge, and the resources to help set us up. I mean, I've I've made sure I have custodial accounts of both of my children. But a big part of it, bro, is just understanding that you have to place value in in saving and properly equipping your children for these things mm-hmm. a lot of our a lot of our black people sadly will prefer to spend three hundred dollars on a pair of jordans mm. instead of you know putting some money away and saving and they will prefer to make sure that those those sneakers are bought before they have a good savings account mm. or but before they do certain things and i'm not saying listen i'm not saying don't enjoy your life Right. By no way and means am I saying don't enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, you know, if just try to make sure you have a little bit put away from your for your savings. And if you do have children, try to open up a custodial account. Try to open up a seat. For the for the for, for the not not to cut you off, for the people that don't know, we also should do a a, a great service of breaking down these terms. So for the person who's listening, what is a custodial account, D Flow? Custodial account is in a bank account that's governed and that's governed and managed by the parent or any or any adult, but it's primarily has to be overwatched by the parent itself. And what does one need to do to ascertain a custodial account if they walk into a bank today or or whenever they listen to this episode? That's gotta go in with the children's social security number and photo ID. And um you'll you'll tell the once you open it up, you'll tell them when you want the child to take take custody of that account. So um, most of the times you can let them take over that account when they're 18. Mm-hmm. You can start letting them access it at 14 where they could go to the bank and start depositing their own money mm-hmm. or um, accessing the ATM. 
um, but they don't take full of control over the account until they're an adult, and you can set that at whatever age you want to set it at. As okay. The parent. And you also you also yeah. were saying before I cut you off, you were also talking about the importance of a um a CD account. So I'm I'm actually f- more familiar with that, but break it down for the for the listeners. What is also a CD account? CD account is a, is as simple as it, as I said it, bro. It's an, it's a bank account. I mean, it's not as common anymore because what you're doing is essentially putting your money on a disc and storing it digitally. Mm-hmm. But um it, it's the same principle as opening up a savings account or you know just just having an account you can't access willingly. Right. You feel me? It's an account. CD accounts build interest and they they that's one of the main differences between the CD and and other accounts is uh yeah. you can't you you basically you can't access you put a a yearly amount on like it's it's either between 5 to 10 years most of the time mm-hmm. um that you can't access the account and within that amount of time there is a going to be an interest that can be built up on there so whatever the market is at the time the interest might be 1.5 it might be 3% and then for that amount of time that you're unable to touch that basically what you're doing is you're saying that the bank has access to these funds for those amount of years so if you put like $50,000 on a CD the bank is able to use that $50,000 to give other people credit or to back or guarantee other people's money and the 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 promise that they give you is that while they have access to it, it builds this interest. It builds this this percentage on it. So the, you might have put $50,000 in there and then you, a certain percentage on it. And the next thing you know, when you go to access it in the next 10 years, that 50000 is now 70000 So um, that's basically the trade-off with, with the CD. What, so, I, so depending on a bank, what's the percentage? It, it depends on it what depends. the market is. Right now, so the shit, market, but <laughs> yeah, so the market dictates like the market might be one point five percent, which is not the greatest. Um, but then in a few years, in the market might be three percent, which is decent. Um, which means it's like three percent interest on the amount that you have on there. So you know, ten years of three percent interest compounding upon um something each year is not bad. But um, it can get higher than that. I mean, it's just like Next. what I've seen one one to three yeah. percent. America is is trash for that. A lot of the overseas countries give you a bit more, but America gives you shitty percentages. For <laughs> Jesus Christ, which yeah, is yeah. one of the reasons why overseas accounts. A lot of people do that. That and because they don't get taxed. Facts. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna hold you. I'm sketchy about the in about investing in the stock market, but whatever you gotta do to to help expand, the, it's just it, stock market is just too sketchy. Plus, I feel like for you to do the stock market, you gotta have mad bread. You gotta have a nice amount of money to really invest and flip that shit. 
You gotta have money to be able to lose money. Facts. That's gambling. It's a gamble, bro. It's it's stock market. Stock exchange is gambling at its finest, bro. That's you're just gambling. Yeah, high risk gambling. Yep. I mean, there's there's tiers to it. There's like low risk uh, businesses that you can invest in, which means that your return won't really be that high, or you won't get a lot of money. There's medium risk, and then there's high risk. And high risk are typically in the form of like new companies or companies that like. Um, that just they're they're limited in income, so they might be cheaper to be able to buy a large amount of stock in, but it's a risk because if that company, let's say you, it's a new tech company and it never gets off the ground, you don't get your money back. <laughs> with a with the high risk, I mean, with the low risk one, that's like Apple and Amazon, and with that type of shit, you you you're paying like. Two thousand dollars a share. Sure, like yeah. you paying mad bread just to get a share. So what I will say, is imagine you it? caught on Amazon when Amazon was only worth like on the come up, bro. Two hundred dollars a share, and now that shit that went tenfold. Napster, Lime, LimeWire, fucking Apple, um, the iPhone. If you invested in the iPhone before, it was was fucking a big thing. You'd be a, you'd be stupid right now, like just happy. Netflix, Netflix is another one. We all could have probably invested in Netflix. We were we were probably eighteen, nineteen, twenty, but Netflix would have was not you know not the Netflix that we know today. And if you would probably put twenty dollars, you might have been able to get a share. <laughs> you you on the stock market, you might have been able to get a share Facts. on Netflix. Facts. Mm, so. I don't trust Forex. Man, shit. My Forex is... I don't know. No, Dan Forex reminds Hood. me of the, of, the, of the new... That, the new pyramid scheme. There's too many people. The problem I have with it is it's predicated on showing people that you're making money. Most people that are making money are not going to show you the exact blueprint of how to make it and force it as a yo join my team type shit like anytime like it's it's situated like that it gets a little sketchy for me like if a nigga gotta now i was just gonna say if a nigga gotta go and flip their screen and be like yo you see my shit going up i'm automatically feeling sketch now because i'm like why why do you have why do you feel the need that you have to prove it like if it's happening it's happening I'm going to see it through your lifestyle. My only problem with that, and this is why I didn't fuck with Five Links after a while, it's built on looping other people in, and that's what makes it sketchy. If you just told me, hey, I'm going to show you how to make this bread, you just follow these steps, and you could cake. But when you start to pitch that, yeah, you could do that, but if you bring in 77 niggas, we going to be lit. (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. I ain't trying to do all that. Nah, I'm good. Like, I just want to know how to do it on my own. And if I decide I want to share the opportunity with someone else, then let me decide that. Don't don't build the pitch and the premise on me bringing other people on board. Because not everybody's willing to go for that. 
But if I do decide to be like, yo, this opportunity is be making me mad money, I'm gonna loop my mans into this, then that that's my decision to do that. Yeah, that's why they call it pyramid schemes, because there's there's one person that may be making bread because they brought in a hundred people. Somehow, some way they got to do that. And then the only way you're getting paid is if you bring in an extra hundred people. And that's where these the money that they claim you're getting is coming from these bonuses and quote. They're not coming from the company. They're coming from the the, the shit you're already making for them. So it Nah, they they the it's a it I mean a scheme makes it sound crazy. I mean it is crazy, but I'm not saying it to disrespect anybody. But a, uh, inevitably, it's basically all smoke and mirrors. That's really what I mean by a scheme. Is they're not it's it's not a straightforward. You can follow the path of the money correctly and kind of just be like, oh, I see how this whole operation works. It makes sense. It's more so like. They make you watch these fucking videos of everybody pulling up in Bentleys and Mercedes and and BMWs and all of this stuff because they want you to buy into a dream so that you are willing to pay them that $200, $300 fee to join them. And that's where that initial bread comes from. Like you're getting paid once you get somebody to pay you $200. Now, Now it's like, oh, yeah, you get money now. And then once you get that 200 and then they talking about then you get paid off of what they make uh, for themselves. They, you get 20 percent of whatever they they make. And this is how businesses work. And they just tried to keep it from the secret. And it's like, no, that's not how businesses I'm work. Rather, so. I'm, I'm much rather you pay me. I'm much rather you tell me, listen, your flow. I got this dope opportunity, bro. This is the training kit. It's two hundred dollars for the training kit, bro. Once you set your shit up, bro, you're good to go. You're good to start making this bread. Like, you could sell me on that more than you could sell me on pay me this 200 And after you pay me this 200 I still got to go find seven other niggas to join my team so I can start making money. Make a good point right there, though, bro. You might be able to have niggas sustain for a month without seeing a check. You got niggas waiting on standby for three to six months and they ain't really seeing no, no income from this. Come on, son. This is simple math. Niggas is not. Then your team goes away. So you'll never have this consistent 10 member team that's going to put you in offerings to get in this Mercedes because niggas is going to drop off like flies at some point unless you somehow sign up 20 people in one day and then do another 20 in the next day. Like then you'll have 10 people on your team consistently for a little bit. But most likely you're signing up one or two people in a month and then by the time you go to the next month one out of those two people are like yo i'm actually good off of this shit because i'm not seeing nothing happen and i knew i shouldn't have signed up in the first fucking place <laughs> like that's that's really what ends up happening so i mean i'm always sketchy when niggas is sitting when like my cousin been on forex for a little bit and i'm like the niggas like 20 years old and every five minutes is about, oh, he making mad bread. And I'm like, if you have to put up that you're making mad bread, you're not making mad bread. That's that's my philosophy. <laughs> so we uh, are at a point in this podcast where we about to go to the money makers, get into some updates with uh, Corona. And from the shit I read today, 
All I all I got to say is if I was a Chinese person, honestly speaking, I would think that they're doing this deliberately in China. We will get to that, honestly, cuz I don't know what the fuck going on in China no more. So, Amazon um is in the process according to a publication called Screen Rant. Amazon is getting ready to purchase not and and I had got this wrong the first time. It's not just the AMC movie theaters. Amazon is getting ready to acquire the rights to buy AMC Network, which is the mother company of AMC Theaters. What's your thoughts on that? I don't know which direction they're really going, but they're going there. Uh, well, God I mean, damn, for son. me, that's a lot of theaters. Uh, monopolies are always a, a thing to keep your eye on because no matter if the person in charge now is doing quote unquote good or has the people in mind, that person will inevitably be pushed out of power or pass away or the power just has to move on. And there always may be somebody who may see them having this monopoly as a means of power and control. So I'm never in favor of a monopoly. With that being said, AMC is failing they've made it public that they are failing which typically signals that they're looking for someone to buy them out um and so amazon came they have the money they have the equity to do so and i'm sure amazon has a very unique way of taking over amc if that does happen i would not want to see that happen too many monopolies in america over the last 10 years and we will reap what that has sowed in not too far from now. So, um, you know, whether that's going to mean like you're going to see dramatic price increases and there ain't nowhere else to buy this shit from, you know, it's as simple as that. But we'll see how that works out. Um, but it's a smart move by Amazon and inevitably it's a smart move by AMC if they realize that they are not able to sustain the ship anymore, which it seems to be so. D-Flow, what are your thoughts on what Amazon's getting ready to do? And I want to know what your thoughts are. If Amazon buys the buildings, well, I don't know if they're going to necessarily buy the buildings per se, but they're going to buy AMC Network. So they'll be able virtually to do whatever they want with the buildings. What do you think they're going to do with them? Because that's a lot of build. We're talking about... Tons of AMCs across the nation. That's a lot of fucking theaters. That's a lot. Um, I don't know, man. I heard they were getting ready to buy J.C. too. So I don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to say. The companies need bailout. A lot of these companies are are sinking really fast, and movie theaters is about to be a thing of the past. At least indoor. Yeah, that's about theater. to be. Sadly, that's about to be out of here. This is about to be the real. They're gonna be luxury I, items. They're gonna be luxury yeah, things. Extreme luxury. That's They're the gonna be to like fifty dollars, fifty dollars a ticket, and it's gonna be a whole three D experience or four D experience. But on average, you'll probably be watching movies from home from now on. Which is interesting because yeah, what so does that do what, what, to the movie market? Because now you remember you used to have blockbusters. <laughs> That was raking in a billion dollars in ticket sales, you know, you just eliminated all of that within three well, or four months. Well, but the success of Trolls is going to play a really big factor. The movie Trolls, not actual mm-hmm. Trolls, but the success of Trolls 
is what's playing a big factor in what may push the music, I mean, the movie industry out of business because it raked in over $100 million in its first week of being released from home. It wasn't, you know, like it got released from on demand and all these other home entities. And so that's kind of pushing the idea now that, hmm, well, if Trolls did so well during COVID-19, I wonder what happens if we start pushing other blockbusters, especially in this time where niggas is not going outside. Um, And let's see how that translates to when niggas do go outside. Now, I do feel like there isn't any solid evidence to suggest that that is 100% the future because now a lot of people are talking about drive-in movie theaters. So Mm -hmm. there, there is an understanding that there's a value in people leaving their house still and going to the movie theater. But I just think that as time progresses, the way to get people out the house is going to be making movie theaters way more of an interactive experience. And they're going to end up becoming almost like mini theme parks. Like you're going to go to see the 4D theater. You're not just going to see a regular in-screen uh, 2X or, or whatever they call that shit theater and just sit there and look at a screen. You would rather do that at home in front of your living room. Watch Bad Boys Three when it pop, Bad Boys Four rather when it pops up right from home. Maybe call a couple of friends over or do a Netflix party. But if we really trying to watch Bad Boys, all of us link up and realize we about to see this shit with the chairs flipping us over when the car flip. Uh, getting you know little pyrotechnics in the theater, little rain here, little water there. But I think that's what we're looking at. I think just to add to that, uh, this guy, uh, yo. Y'all motherfuckers are sleeping on my nigga XAB, man. Y'all niggas could suck 10 dicks, okay? Y'all niggas could suck fucking 10 dicks. Niggas are sleeping on my nigga. Niggas be sleeping on my guy. Anyway, I'm just so happy, man. My brother be on fucking point with these shits. Okay. Um, but just to add to that, um, as somebody who's like very like into bougie things at theaters, you know, I like my reclining seats. I like when niggas bring the food to me. I like when I'm at the bar. There's an AMC. There's an AMC in Levy Town where you can order shit from the bar. That's not in every AMC theater, by the way. I just gave y'all that. And you can be lit. But I think what's going to happen is the hospitality industry in terms of what the movie theaters are already offering, this nigga flow, what they're already offering, they're going to have to amplify it. So X is talking about your movie experience. What I'm about to talk about is your theater experience. So I'm talking when you fucking get in the motherfucking theater, you already feel like you are a guest on a VIP list. Mm-hmm. They're going to be shaking your hand differently. They're going to be giving you certain type of amenity attractions based on what type of uh, a movie package you purchase. And I feel like the reward stubs that AMC already offers to their gold members, I'm a gold member, that shit is going to increase by the roof. You're going to be getting a lot of different type of perks. I mean, the they, movie industry is about to be different. They already got the subscription-based uh, situations where you can see a, a billion movies in a month as long as you pay right. twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, facts. Um, and then what you said is very important because that reminds me of iPick, which is being is very successful. Um, very and successful. that's a new movie theater model where you go in and if you buy the VIP, you get to sit in these recli- recliner chairs that turn into beds almost. You get a blanket. Mm-hmm. And you get to order your food while right watching the movie, and then it gets right delivered to you. 
So, I mean, them tickets is $60 a pop. I was about to say, them shits are 60 a pop, my nigga. Uh, so, or 60 <laughs> altogether. bro. That ain't bad, though. It's 30-30, you know, yeah. 30, 30, $60 ain't bad, D-Flow, when that's your wife. $60 is bad with a bitch that you actually don't end up smashing uh, at three dates later, but you took out an eye pick thinking that you was going to get some eye vagina. No, nigga. It's not happening. <laughs> I, did, I definitely did the one in Jersey. And um, okay, how was that? It was dope. It was this was a while back. It was great. It was great. Um, it's definitely a a, a, a refreshing experience. And it to is. order your food, and then the food comes to you. You could really just sit there and eat your food, and lay back and just watch the movie. The, the nice leather seats and shit like that it was dope. I'm sure the one uh, you went to XAB is by uh, South Streetport, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I normally go to the I pick over I- there. I love I love that IPIC theater to death. That's why I saw Black Panther for the first time in my life. I was like, if I'm going to see Black Panther, I'm going to spend this motherfucking money. That's how I feel. I feel like it depends on the movie that's going to make me spend extra amount of dollars. I'm already paying $30, $31 every time I go to AMC. So it didn't really hurt me when I went to go see Black Panther. And I saw that shit twice. Two nah, there, there will always be a movie that's going <laughs> to make... Uh, there will... <laughs> They will always <laughs> say it like that, bro. Damn. There will always be a movie that is gonna gonna make us want to have an experience more so than just sit in the crib and watch it. But the I think the the option of that now opens up to people who can't leave the house or the elderly or um like when you have kids and you want to go out but you can't really bring the kid to the movie theater you don't want to or whatever the case is. I think that that's why that option is starting to be more viable. But, you know, it's all going to depend on how the system decides to count it and if that's going to upgrade. Because if they're going to count the downloads at the house as a um, sale and to the box office, then I think movie theaters won't give a damn and they will do that. They will they will have the experience in the movie theater. They'll raise the prices um, and they'll make everything almost an experience because you got to remember a lot of the money that they make is from um, is is from the concession stands, believe it or not. Correct. So Correct. them concession stand prices be out of this for y'all. Listen, the last time me and XAB was in a the theater by ourselves is when we went to go see um, not when we did the boys night, when me and you went to go see. The fucking move up oh, when we went when we went to go see Detroit last year, X. You remember that when we went to go see Detroit in Levytown? Detroit, yeah. Detroit was about the shit that happened in Detroit. With oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah. So when we went, my nigga, when we was bro, I, I think I ordered some shrimp shit. That shit was twenty dollars by itself. You just said you that was just some one meal, shit, bro. Like. <laughs> The fuck was you thinking you right. were gonna spend like eleven ninety nine? Nah, bro. Like, yeah, nigga. Scrimps. You know, bro, the, bro, 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 bro. Me and bro, me and X saw the movie when the movie first came out. So we you already know we spent like thirty one, thirty two dollars. That was just off of tickets. Getting the fucking food was like twenty something, and then getting a drink was like eight nine dollars. I'm like, God Boy, damn. Shrimp at the theater, bro. Me, nigga, cause I'm bougie. All right, so. Fucking bougie, bro. All right. So. The moral of the story is what we're saying. Ain't no motherfucking um, moral to the story, niggas. about strip at the motherfucking <laughs> theater, bro. <laughs> the moral of the story is all of this shit 
are are some strong considerations <laughs> and possibly what Netflix is already thinking. Maybe Netflix is going to try to partner with the movie association, Good. the MPA from the, the the motion picture association and figure out where those splits are going to come in because if Netflix is our sole provide or will become cuz I feel like it is going to become our our sole provider, we're going to see Netflix versus Disney just like how we see um PlayStation versus Xbox. Because what I didn't know, just to add this point for the gamers, I did not know that if a brand new game is coming out, depending on the people that's making the game, they can sell the rights to promote the game to whatever console that they wanted to release on first. And then that particular console, so let's say it's PlayStation, PlayStation has the right to say when the game is actually going to be released on their platform. Um, when, uh, like the, the, the gameplay, the footage that's released, and then when the game is released, that's when the other consoles can now get the game on it. I didn't even know that shit. Yeah, exclusive. That's wild. Exclusive that's wild. releases have always been a, a, a big thing. That's why PlayStation rose to prominence in the first place is because it, it, the PlayStation... One, the graphics only, so when the PlayStation came out, its graphics and its CPU processing was so much more advanced than Nintendo and things of that nature, Sega, that Mm -hmm. the newer games that wanted to come out could only exclusively be put on PlayStation. But within that, exclusive deals were made. So you have Final Fantasy exclusively on PlayStation God of War. Crash Bandicoot. Well, before that, we're talking about okay. the first iteration yeah, yeah. of PlayStation. Crash Bandicoot. Right. Resident Evil. Resident Evil, yeah, because no other system could really play those graphics. I mean, we're talking about trash-ass graphics now, but no trash, other system yeah, right, could really right. compete at that time. And then, obviously, the, the console wars started where you had N64, and then you had GameCube, and, you know, the secession. But with each of those... The allure then became these bundle packages in the sense of, well, if you want Smash Brothers, you can only get Smash Brothers on Nintendo. Like you can't get a mm. PlayStation, a PlayStation Smash Brothers. So now I gotta go out there and I gotta go buy a GameCube. Well, if you want Tekken, my nigga, you like Tekken, right? You gotta go get the new PlayStation. So go get that. And oh, wait a minute, Game Changer, Halo. If you want Halo, uh, yo, you got to get it. You got to get, get Xbox. Xbox. I was so tight about that but shit. But the the issue is with the last generation of systems, a lot of the exclusives weren't exclusives anymore. So you you right. would see Final Fantasy on Xbox. You would see uh Kingdom Hearts on all platforms. Um right. and so this exclusivity kind of that that idea went out the window because everybody got a little money hungry, but now you see it coming plus, back. Plus, a lot of those contracts are maybe twenty year contracts. I was about to say those you those know, those contracts, contracts is dead and gone. Yeah, them contracts is finished. And yeah, I 20, mean, you know, you, you're seeing though that it's coming back though because like Modern Warfare, XAB is correct. Yeah, Modern Warfare, and I mean, Assassin's even that's, Creed that's cross platformed and stuff like that. Now, like it, it has a cross platform with the Xbox Steam. Um, whatever. There are like certain exclusives. What's happening now is the digital realm is offering the exclusives. So you'll get certain digital bundles if you get the the PlayStation version of the game. You'll get certain <clears throat> digital bundles if you get the Xbox version of it, and you'll get certain digital uh, perks if you get 
um, the Nintendo. Nintendo is really truly the only console that's kind of sticking with the exclusives because they're really they have their third party games, but they have a, a heavy focus on just building the Nintendo brand games: Pokemon, Mario, Peach, Lu- uh, Luigi. All of those th- those games that are exclusive to the Nintendo brand, they focus on staying there. Zelda. Um, but PlayStation and the rest of them, they Donkey don't really Kong, have right. those shits um, as, oh, as like, lined nigga, up. As we got our to. fans. Our fans been in this shit way before y'all niggas. Nah, n- so Nintendo that's... is never going to die. Nintendo's going to be here for a long time. I mean, Nintendo's smart with that, though. I mean, you, you franchise your characters, and then you just do new storylines with each character. You're making double the money. Like, you're developing the game, and you don't have any splits. With, with Sony... You got to split with 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 Square Enix. You got to split with fucking Modern Warfare. You got to split with all these niggas at the end of the day. You don't get the exclusive rights because you have no exclusive deals with these games. So, yep. That's the reality yeah. right there. It's definitely the reality. Moving right along. So, oh boy. So, China. So, I just literally tried to... Let me see if this shit is working. Um, okay. So it's not popping up, but this news brought to you about China's new coronavirus outbreak is brought to you by ExpressCo.uk. So that is the name. Oh, the shit just popped up. So the headline reads China's news corona China's new coronavirus outbreak deadlier after mutating symptoms don't show for days more. So <laughs> This is this is where we are with this situation. Um, <laughs> nah, this shit can't be real. So this is crazy. I don't know what's really happening, <laughs> but China is facing a second wave of the virus, according to this publication, which was published um, in UK time. Um, and no, China is is definitely experiencing a second wave. So that's right. That's happening. That part right. is true. Right. So what's happening is they're saying that since they've developed 19 new cases, that they don't know if they should have opened up certain parts. Because this is only affecting certain... Right now, this is affecting... Jilin Province, which is in China. So I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's J-I-L-I-N. Jilin Province right now is quarantined in China because Jilin Province uh, has 19 people that acquired the virus. Jilin. Jilin. Um, so w- what are our thoughts on China? Because uh, Wuhan just opened up a few weeks ago. And now all of a sudden, boom, this province gets hit with 19 more cases. And they're saying that this is their second wave and it's hitting worse than the first one. What What the fuck is going on in China, son? What's happening? Flo, you want that one first? <laughs> what the fuck is really cooking, son? I don't know, son. That shit just gave me a headache, bro. <laughs> um, like, wow. Honestly, son. Like, this, is said, get, this is I getting out of hand. I said that shit weeks back, bro. I'm like, something is off about China. Certain data ain't popping out. These niggas is moving walkie. There's no way a country <laughs> with a billion that. plus people, and you telling me out of this out of the billion plus people, 
one of your smallest cities is the only city that got infected. You you did say this, Flo. You did so, say that. So y'all niggas in Wuhan going to leave Wuhan and fuck up the rest of the world, but not fuck up the rest of y'all own country? What type of bullshit is that? It's like, it's like bro, think of it like this, right? It's like Jeremy from Brownsville catches the flu and then goes to Atlanta and fucks Atlanta up. He ain't he he didn't fuck up East Flatbush. He didn't fuck up Canarsie. The nigga didn't go across the the fucking Linden Boulevard, my nigga. The nigga left straight out of Brownsville. The nigga infected his building in Brownsville and was like, "Fuck it, we finna go to Atlanta and fuck shit up now." Like <laughs> What type of shit is that? Like, that doesn't make no sense to me, bro. How is it that only Wuhan and the niggas from Wuhan were just like, yeah, we finna go to Italy and show these niggas what this is about. So, oh, so nobody out of Wuhan drove and went to another village or drove to went to another city in China. All these niggas were just taking flights with the virus. Like, these niggas just knew how to take flights. Like, we, they got the virus and we got to go to a different country. Now, nah, let's not fly across a fucking major country like china and you could go from wuhan to fucking another side of the country that takes a day to travel by on plane but you're gonna hop your ass and go to italy and infect europe i never understood that bro that that that's been that's been on my mind since this whole shit broke out how is it that only one city in china is infected mm. and well, it's one of the smaller was- cities i don't think it was only one city that was infected i think that the media kind of focused on it because it was the epicenter there's definitely been other other cities reported but your point still stands in terms of there being suppressed information coming out of china and i don't i mean i we all been saying for the longest period of time that the numbers just don't add up that the focus is solely on i think it was like three cities that they focused on wuhan being the number one but Mm -hmm. it's like Y'all not focusing on, y'all not telling us nothing about what's happening in Beijing. Y'all not telling us nothing about what's happening in Hong Kong. Y'all not telling us nothing about these other major cities that something has to be going on. Like, if we're not idiots, we have to understand that something, they, there's got to be cases, you know. And why is why is it that we're not seeing, like, crazy numbers? New York is small. It's dense, but it's small, especially compared to some of those cities so you mean to tell me we we're up there in the hundreds of thousands now, but the the total amount out of China was eighty three thousand. Like that's what you want me to believe. That's what you want a nigga to believe. Of New York all City? of China, New York City with 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 its with its fourteen million people got quarter million cases, bro. Quarter million. <laughs> and you telling me Wuhan that has ten million people. Only got eighty three thousand, and nobody else. Even if, bro, if, if it it doesn't make sense. Fuck all that extra shit. The, the, this this United States, the United States of America, has close to what was it? I think it's like what is it? Is it two million cases now? I think it is. I didn't even check. I know. I don't. It was I don't. I don't know if it's two. I, it's it's over two, but. Right now, we have reported as of last week, I don't know about this week, collectively with the United States counting our two territories, over 80,000 people have died. 
has died in the United States. Yeah, so, eighty thousand. That's that's accurate. Yeah, so, according to the New York Times. And if I'm, and so all right, eighty thousand people have died. Right. Let's just mm. say ten million people in the United States has been infected. United States still is only maybe 20% as big. China is at least four times larger than the United States. Are you telling me that these niggas have 10% of what we got infected and it came from them? All right. I'm going to just leave that there. So the confirmed cases of Corona is 1.6 million in the U.S. God damn. Worldwide is 5 million um, so, I mean, just listen to that. The United States alone <laughs> has 1.6. Has 1.6 out of 5 million cases. That's, is, that's, is, that's crazy. That is wild. And out Something of it, off, bro. and yeah, it looks like it's a 3% death rate because out of it, um, 1.9 million, or close to 3%, 1.9 million people. Um, have recovered while um, 3,332,000 have died from the virus. Yeah, something's definitely off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the I don't know, man. Uh, the deaths in the United States are, are damn near 100,000. So we're, <laughs> we're making up the most deaths, we're making up the most cases. <laughs> like, it's something really, really uh, interesting about that. But... Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to trust anything coming out of China when it comes to these, um, you know, these numbers and stuff like that. And in terms of the rest of the world and stuff like we, we constantly have to remind people, this is only since like February, January, if you want to count China, but, or December, if you want to count China, but this has only been February for the United States. So for people who don't understand, I mean, we say this all the time, but for people who don't understand why this is truly important, this is two to three months. <laughs> That's it. Like, we're not talking about, we're not talking about a year. We're talking about a couple of months, maybe, or maybe four months if you want, like, again, if you want to go from Janu- January, but in the U.S. it was February, March, April, we are now in May. So... That's that's four months if you want to count that we're in May that we've been dealing with this virus. And from that, you have damn near two million people infected and almost 100,000 people dead. Catastrophic is not the word. I'm going to need somebody else to put some new shit in Webster's Dictionary for 2020. Um, I don't know where we're headed, but... We're not headed in, in a good place, y'all. That's all. I, we're not headed in a good place uh, at all. I mean, at when nigga is reopening, and if they, and and they always say the second wave is worse than the first, and if the virus has mutated, which I believe it has, because oh of all God. of these fucking cases and kids now, yeah. and the weird shit that's going on with them, and, we and animals and animals, we weren't hearing anything about kids getting it or even showing signs. And now all of a sudden, kids are getting these weird ass fucking respiratory, not even respiratory, heart and and blood clot symptoms and shit. And so if what the article is saying is true in China, where now it's incubating even longer without you even feeling like you have a, any symptoms. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell niggas, man. Like, 
And if it's like the flu where it's a different, is a slightly different strain, so it might be able to it reinfect you even, even more. Listen. Life as we know it, ladies and gentlemen, is not the life we knew. Um, I would strongly advise. We was talking about immune system boosting a few episodes ago when, you know, me and D Flo talking about shit we do because, you know, we come from Caribbean roots and shit. We we gonna need more than that. <laughs> Obviously, need nigga, more. God fucking damn it. <laughs> we gonna need way more than that because hey. I don't know what the fuck is cooking no more. I have to sip on this Clorox. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's getting there, bro. It's starting to see it every is. day. <laughs> Speaking about speaking about getting there, let's 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 jump ship for a minute. So we're we're talking about the climate of Corona, how it's been affecting everything. All I simply did was click the headline of this article. I read like the first two sentences. I didn't want to read anymore because I was disturbed. United Airlines first African-American male president. As of 2020, why in the fuck is it now 2020 and American Airlines has been in existence since 1926, and we're just getting our first black president. Because we are now talking about the elite uh, businesses of the world. And when you talk about elite, you're talking about all white. This is, I mean, congratulations to the brother, but yes, this highlights, yeah. it truly highlights the disparities that people think no longer exist because we had a black president but yeah i i it doesn't surprise me it's sad to say it doesn't surprise if me that this is the first time this shit has happened if i'm doing the math because i'm not that nice like flow be calculating and imputing and putin imputing is which if <laughs> computers if computer. i add right computers compute if 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 i add six more years to 2020 that means we would be in 2026. They just started their shit in 1926. So it almost took a hundred fucking years for us to get a black nigga in that motherfucker running shit on a president level at the airline. That's insane. Airlines, uh, helicopter That's industry. Insane. Shows you how um, far behind we really are, bro. We are mad far behind, son. Major, bl- major banking industries. All of these things, you're not seeing people of color at the top. Like any, we're talking. We're talking about the presidents, the CEOs, all of, all of those in the major in the air. Like I said, airline industry, fucking banks, banks, all of that. You'll see it in retail. You'll see it like quickly in Louis Vuitton. Will have their first black whatever or what. And even now, I don't know if they ever had like a black figurehead. Um, but you're not gonna see any of that uh, early on because of the. The matter of it being like, yo, black people can't quote unquote handle or do those jobs. It's a subconscious thought. We're in a we're in a weird place with that. All right. Well, congratulations to the brother. Um, just for the people to know that uh we out here. And um, I just want to say his name for the record. Uh big shout out to Brett J. Hart from Chicago. Yeah, shout out to that man. Shout out to him for sure. Um, so um All right, three, all right. So I read this article really quick. Um 
I read the whole thing, but I just want to know you guys' thoughts. So I was reading an article from a Korean author and her experience growing up black. Um, so this young lady was adopted by a predominantly Christian black home um, when she was a child. And she basically, I mean, she, she, looks, she, she looks bad, so I ain't going to hold you. Y'all, y'all might want to pull up that shit up. Um, so her name is Cindy Wilson. And she's the author of a book called Too Much Soul, The Journey of an Asian Southern Belle. So basically, this entire book is about her experience growing up in the South, but her experience growing up technically through the lens of a black person, even though she is not a black person. Um, So my question to you guys is, do you think that's something that's realistically even possible? That you can be of a different culture um, in terms of makeup, um, you can be from a different culture in terms of where your family is actually from and the things that they do over there. And, but you can be living amongst people of color and in an environment that the majority of the people living there are people of color and you can have our experience without even being our skin tone. Uh, well, for me, I feel like to kind of just break it down a little bit more, she's, she can adopt the culture. She's just of a different quote unquote race. Um, if you've grown up in a black family, um, with black norms and black cultural premises, you're part of the culture. Will you have the same experience as a, a completely black person in terms of the skin color and what that means to people in America? No. Um, but you can be adopted into the culture for sure. Is she a black person? No. Um, she's an Asian person, but she's an Asian person that, in my opinion, can be invited to the cookout. She can. She yes, can, she can. Like, yes, she, she can. She can uh, oh speak on on certain black issues and matters to a certain degree, and in some instances, have a very unique lens to it because. She's seeing it from a different perspective, but she would just have to be careful in terms of how and what she speaks on because she really can't speak on racism fully because she wouldn't have the same experience as a black person who has dark skin um, who experienced racism. She may be able to experience some black norms and and understanding you know, certain things that are pertaining to our culture that stand out. But then there's the also flip side of what type of black family adopted her. That also is an important factor as well, because if you have a black family that is trying to integrate as much as possible into white normality, then, you know, she may not have the same black experience. Um, It all depends on what that family taught her how they raised her, and what was the full, full environment that she was in and around. But from what the article kind of pointed out, I would say that she has grown up around a lot of black culture, and she would be, in my opinion, part of the culture or have some of that culture ingrained in her as a child um, that grew up as in a black family as a black child would, would be raised, but she was Asian. Um, she just couldn't, in my opinion, consider like, don't go, don't jump out the window and be Rachel Dolezal and, and say that you're black because you're not. And then don't also don't 
sit there and try to speak on certain issues um, because you were in a black family, because you are not a black person. So you can't take on what black people should feel or what black people should do because you don't have the same experience. Um, I think she can indulge, but she can't ever think that she's one of us. It's just not the reality. You're not a skin tone. You won't receive the same looks. You won't receive the same type of verbiage. You won't receive the same type of intimidation tactic. Um, you'll indulge in our culture because you're you're fortunate to be around it. And we, you know, I think we will accept, you know, you partaking in our activities and stuff, but not for one second can you think that you're experiencing the same type of lifestyle we do because you don't get the same stares. You don't, you just aren't a part of the same types of experiences that the average black person goes through on a regular basis. And it's funny because I, I have a funny story to tell y'all. And this happened with my neighbors the other day where um, they were, we, we went out and we came back in the house and I was cleaning off my back, my back porch and I moved the grill from one side of the porch to the other side of the porch. So my neighbors were standing there and they were like sitting on the the little the little divider thing and they were like pointing at the grill and like, oh, you know, they're talking to themselves. So Tiff walks up and Tiff is like, hey, like, what's the problem? Like, are y'all good? <laughs> and it was so interesting how it happened because the the husband like defensively steps back, like, oh, well, uh, like he steps back like 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 he ain't doing nothing, and the lady automatically. Oh well, you know, we were just you know looking at here, and you know, um, we noticed that you moved your grill, and you know, we, we were thinking about turning our AC on, and you know, we don't know, like we don't we don't know how that's going to work. So Tiff is just like, like, why would we grill next to your AC? Mind yeah. you, the grill is in front of our back window too. So she was just like, why would we do that? Like, we wouldn't even do that to ourselves. Like, why would we do that to y'all? Well, you know, it's, it's, I never said that you were going to do it. And it was such an interesting thing because it was a normal conversation from our side, but it was a jumpy conversation from their side. But prior to us asking them what the issue was, they were quite calmly sitting there criticizing. Mm-hmm. You Saying feel me? All types of stupid Saying shit. all types of wacky shit. But the minute we were just like, hey, like, what's going on? And then today, our neighbor next door is moving. So he 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 asked us, he's like, hey, I have a few stuff in the crib. Whatever y'all want, y'all could take. You feel me? So Tiff is like, I bet. So she went over there and she took like some some um some China stuff and whatnot, like like vintage things that they had there. So the lady sees Tiff and she's just like, Well, I know where to what to do now if I want to get rid of some old stuff. So Tiff so Tiff looks at her and Tiff is just like, Excuse me? She's like, well, you know, I noticed that you went next door and you were taking stuff out of there. So I have a bunch of old stuff in my space. You want to take those too? It was like, no, thank you. And came in the crib. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing that the experience that people go through, bro. It's just a very interesting thing. And the the experience that they devalue and make it seem like we're crazy because we point out that there is a difference in how people perceive and interact with us. You know, we're we're crazy, we're we're overreacting, 
but it's things that is is microaggressions, it's little comments, it's reactions, it's the fact that probably one of your neighbors was ready to call the cops if you went into that house to try and go and take something out of there. Like, it's shit that is on a daily basis that we deal with. So, you know, like you said, homegirl could probably partake in the culture, but I just hope that she's careful when she speaks about being a Korean black, quote unquote, which I know is just a catchy title or whatever. But, you know, just make sure that you're not trying to speak for the black culture because you can't. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the conclusion of that has some bow ties. We have three more topics and that we definitely need to address. So BET Awards will be all digital this year. What are your thoughts on that, brother? Trash. I'm not trying to watch it, honestly. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch it, actually. I'm, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Does that mean they're going to try and do it on IG? Does that mean that... If they do it on IG, niggas might watch it. Niggas might niggas, watch it. Niggas might. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know what they mean by digital. Do they Do they plan on doing it on, on like one of these platforms? Or do they just... Are they going to have people on standby on a Zoom call and they get their awards? Like... I might tune in just to see what the fuck they doing, but it does not sound something that's enticing or interesting. The best platform for them to do this on has probably got to be YouTube. Honestly, you, YouTube might be the best YouTube platform. YouTube or Twitch, and I don't have a Twitch, so you, I definitely won't. I definitely don't have a Twitch, and I don't think I'm going to get a Twitch because of me, too. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. Um, So um, some of you guys may know. Uh, well, you guys must. You guys got to know by now, so... The Ahmed Arbery case, boy, oh boy, last week, a lot of videos started coming out the woodworks. I was like, I saw some shit from 2017. Now all three of them niggas was just arrested. Like, yeah, so um, for those of you guys who don't know, so there was a video shortly after we learned about the untimely death of um, Ahmed Arbery, R.I.P., um, unfortunately. Um, he lost his life uh, due to... Um, so supposedly when the story first came out, it was said to believe that he was just jogging. But then another video came out, which kind of correlates to the same day of him jogging. And he went into a house that was somewhat finished. Um, and he went into the garage part of the house, uh, to, uh, well, from the footage that I saw, we can't really tell if he actually went inside of the house if he entered from the garage only because when he entered through the garage he didn't exit through the front door of the house um speculation says that maybe he was in the house well obviously he was trespassing but speculation says he was in the house possibly looking for something to steal um when he came back out of the house um he only came back out of the house because a a, a neighbor from across the street was looking to see who the fuck that was. I guess she didn't recognize him. He obviously didn't recognize her. And when he heard the yelling or them saying howdy to him, he ran off. And this looks like him running off and then him, quote unquote, jogging. And then that neighbor must have tipped off somebody. And those were the people that ended up taking his life um, in the end. But a lot of other footage. So I saw footage, bro, on a lawyer that was talking about him. And uh, the lawyer was basically saying that the guy who shot him used to be a cop. And he said that the guy that shot him used to also be a part of like a, a um, 
his family's involved in like the law to some extent. So to me, that kind of sounds like if they really wanted to, they could have held withheld his death from us a bit longer if no footage didn't come out. Well, so what what I read is is Ahmad was on a jog um, and along his route, he saw this uh, abandoned construction site, which is what it was. It was a house that was under construction. They said that Ahmad mm-hmm. uh, had just signed up for um, trade school for electrical work. And oh. one of the reasons they speculate based off of, because they have footage from him inside of the place. And from that footage, what it shows is Ahmad goes in there and he looks around. He doesn't move inside of the house. He stays like within the door frame and the house and he looks around and he the his lawyer is speculating that Ahmad was was admiring the electrical work and looking at the the way the house was constructed um the footage that I saw was he wasn't looking around there like looking under shit or picking things up <laughs> nothing of that sort he was looking at the house he looked around and then he left um they also have footage of other people who have done the same thing. Uh, really? Yeah, they have oh, footage shit. of white people who have gone in that same construction site and nobody said a thing. Nobody chased them down. Nobody got shot, obviously. So oh, it's a they're rock. trying to push for it to be more than just a murder and turn it into a hate crime um, because of the fact that, you know, no one white got killed doing the same actions as Ahmad did. Um, so I don't think they could have held this information any longer. I mean, I don't really know why homeboy did submit the footage. It's a little interesting and odd. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, um, I don't know what type of pressure or, or what had happened that that footage was released. He claims he released it, um, for noble reasons, but they arrested him today too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely saw that. So, how do you think this is going to end? I think that they have to convict them at the end of the day. Somebody's getting convicted. Do you think Do you think that that hate crime is going to stick in the court of law? Cuz once they get hit with that, it's They a said rap. it's you, you definitely It's going to hard to to make a hate crime stick unless, you know, you actually hear somebody okay. say something racially charged. Um okay. But somebody's going to jail in this in this scenario. Mm. I'm confident. Mm. That somebody's going to jail. I mean, and we all know what happened with Trayvon Martin. Okay, so I don't want anybody's hopes to go up based off of my word. Right. I ain't shit. I ain't nobody. But um, at the end of the day, from the way I'm looking at this, somebody has to be convicted unless they really want some rioting to happen. And there's just too much around that scenario that it's going to look like a cover up if someone doesn't go to jail. Too much of, oh, this one knew this one. Oh, he was an ex-cop. Oh, this, that. Like, there's way too much around it that if somebody does not go to jail, there's going to be an issue. So somebody's getting convicted. Speak, speaking about getting convicted and going to jail, so we all know R. Kelly's black ass is in jail at the moment. However, I did not know that Luda dropped the verse that stirred up controversy when mentioning R. Kelly. Please educate me on that. What the fuck oh was that Oh, my about? God. So first of all, we got to start with the verses. So Luda versus right. Nelly, 
my opinion, Luda beat that ass. Like Luda, Luda mm. was up like eight three at one point in the beginning. Um, okay. but Nelly was having mad technical issues, looking like an old nigga with the mm. internet. Um, Teddy Riley, even though Nelly, Nelly is only forty two, but he was looking, he was looking like he ain't know what the fuck was going on. Um, he was damn. a little zooted though, but um. Oh, oh yeah. he was. In oh, the damn. interim, though, Luda decided he wanted to play a couple of of new songs that he hasn't released yet. And he has a song uh, that's produced by Timbaland with him and Lil Wayne. And um, the song has a verse from him where he basically says something about, I, I fuck with R. Kelly's music, but I, I got daughters. So basically saying, I don't fuck with R. Kelly, but his music is still valid to me. And mm. there were some people who kind of went up in arms because he said it because I guess they thought he was caping for R. Kelly. But um, the battle was fire. Listen, man. Listen, man. To me, bro, and we, we spoke about this already because I don't even want to keep talking about this nigga. And I'm actually working on a project around this motherfucker because I just found out this nigga 6ix9ine is a Taurus. And I just found out 6ix9ine's birthday is the day before my birthday. I found that out a few mm. days ago. I was like, oh, nah, I got to really, I, 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 I got to go there because niggas, yo, niggas came at me and was like, yo, so what's good with your man? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was tagged in a, in, in a, in a comment that I was commenting under somebody else's shit. And they was like, yo, you know, 6 9 birthday is a day before you. I'm like, nigga, what the fuck I got to do with me? Thanks. Like, what the fuck does that have to do I with me? So I'm just like, you know what? parents fuck. I don't give a fuck. Um, people that, whether you fuck with R. Kelly's music or not, it's in the same boat if you fuck with 6 9 or not. Because there's a lot of people that probably don't fuck with R. Kelly, rightfully so, but those same people that probably don't fuck with R. Kelly fuck with Takashi 6 9 So I don't know, man. Art, art know. can live existentially on its own without... I mean, yes, it's from the artist, but it can live separately and with its own autonomy than from the artist. Like, it, it's that right. simple. Like, yeah, you might like 6 9s music because it sonically sounds pleasing to you, but that does not mean that you endorse everything that this nigga stands for because obviously most people don't. So it's right. the same with R. Kelly. I know we all want the nigga to burn at the stake. But at the end of the day, niggas hear fucking any of his ignition, any of them shits pop off. You're going to bop your head a little bit. And it has nothing to do with if you like R. Kelly or not. It just is good music still. Right. Um, that doesn't like exonerate him to no degree. And that doesn't make it right. Uh, but, you know, it's up to you. It's really up to you. You might listen to the music and it might take on a whole different meaning to you when he's talking about uh the certain lyrics that he has where it, it could be taken in so many different ways so now if all you see is a little girl when he's to he's singing these shits you might not fuck with it but if you if you right. still remember that you fucking got married to uh one of R Kelly's Step songs in the name Step of in the name of love right happy people happy people like if that's the memory associated with that music i'm not going to tell you you a terrible person because you still fuck with that sound. Like, I hear you. Same thing with 6 9 If fucking Gouda come on and you ready to go off, 
I'm shake your ass. Yeah, right? I'm not gonna be like, oh, you a fucking clown. But if you sit here and you cape for the nigga and talk about he the goat, I gotta look at you a little sideways. If you sit here and say, oh, you fuck with R. Kelly and what he did with these young girls, you gotta go to jail. Like, is that's is that's how right. that's how I look at it. You like his music? Fuck it. Wow. But the versus battle was fire. Well, uh, shout out. No, no, no. It. Did you watch it? Nah, I saw the uh, I saw the highlights. Oh I saw yeah, the highlights. shout. So I, so I saw so I saw I saw when Nelly fucked up. <laughs> I saw when Luda. I saw I saw when Luda was playing. Um, what's the name of this uh song? Um, I saw when Luda was playing. Oh oh, mm. he was playing that joint. I was I was I watched it for a few because um somebody tagged me in it and I was watching it for a few. Um and yeah, that's kind of how that went. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I I think I think versus has taken on a mind of its own because this Memorial Day weekend we got Beanie Man versus uh Bounty Killer for my Jamaicans. Them, you know what that's gonna give, and we got one twelve and Jagged Edge. Yeah. We are in for a crazy weekend. Nah, those oh those God. two, those we might be looking at six hundred and up. Um, in them in them fucking versus rooms. 600 and uh, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man is going to be interesting. I'm really, I just love that they did that for the culture. Like they switched it up, you know, and and they're highlighting Caribbean culture because Caribbean culture now, right? They didn't, they didn't necessarily quote unquote have to do that. That's not one of the music styles, even though it is a very popular genre. Um, it's not one of the music styles that just automatically, like, you have to in your mind rush to do. Um, so it's right. dope to see that they, they went that route. It's dope to see Beanie Man and Bounty Killer, uh, down with the shit. I am, I am expecting a lot of shit talking between the two of them just off of fucking right. the Jamaican vibes. But, um, one one twelve right. and Jagged Edge, that's going to be something fucking special too. Yeah. one twelve and Jagged Edge is... Niggas is probably going to be fucking to that music while they hear it on live. Yeah, I got one twelve winning that one and I got Beanie Man winning... Um, against Bounty Killer, but we will see. Yeah, Beanie Man. Is, yeah, Beanie Man is probably gonna win that. Um, only because I feel like Beanie Man obviously has way more stardom and way more notoriety than Bounty Killer. And in terms of one twelve and Jagged Edge, I feel like one twelve. Um, for one, one twelve got more members in the group. Jagged Edge <laughs> only got four. Uh, and one twelve, um, had an interesting story because. Before 112 was really with, like, you know, like, became 112. 112 had a, a, a situation where they, at one, at one point, was signed to Bad Boy. And I feel like when they got signed to Bad Boy, that's when niggas was... 112 got signed to Bad Boy when they was doing Peaches and Cream, when they was doing, um, uh, It's Over Now. Like, they, like, and 112 got classics before those records. But I feel like when they jumped on Bad Boy, their career took, a, took on a whole nother face, personally. Mm. Um, in terms of Jagged Edge, Jagged Edge... Uh, kind of started out with, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, So So Deaf, which, as you guys know, is uh, Jane Dupree. Um, so Jagged Edge definitely, and Jagged Edge definitely got some bangers because Jagged Edge definitely got where to party out with Nelly. So Jagged Edge got, uh, you know, let's get married. Let's not play these games like we ain't got two heavyweight R&B heartthrobs that will fuck your girl through the phone. Okay? Nah, so it's going to be an amazing weekend. I need to watch that one. Like, I need to see that shit. You might want need to be on the phone with your boo. So you might want to set up right. uh, Instagram on your laptop so you could be Jones in. Right, get the date yeah, going. Yeah, you got to Jones. Right, you got to light some candles to this one. 
Um, right. And you gotta get the wet platinum ready. You gotta get the, you gotta get the lotion. You gotta get the nigga said the wet platinum. You gotta get the cocoa butter, whatever you use with Pamela. Pamela, uh, left or right, <laughs> you know. I'm saying like you gotta get all that shit ready and play that right. play that peaches and cream and all that and jagged egg like that's gonna be a bop. That's gonna be a bop. After turning up and fucking palancing and all that dumb shit, you probably gonna be doing the day before, cause the Beanie right. Man and uh, Bounty Killer is supposed to be happening over the weekend, and then Jagged Edge is supposed to be right. on Monday. Y'all getting this shit afterwards? You getting it on a Tuesday? Right. Um. So us telling right. you when it's gonna happen really is irrelevant. But right. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could you could live back in time real quick, but. Nah, excellent battles. Versus is really becoming something amazing. I can't wait. Who 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 runs Versus? Who who's in charge? Swiss of that? Beats and Timbaland. They were the first ones to do it, and then I guess they decided to turn it into a company and do all of these different Versus battles. So how the fuck are they getting money off of it now? Is my question. I don't think they are, uh, as far as I know, unless they've already brokered a deal with IG. With Instagram, yeah. oh yeah, right, right. So I think maybe they they which means which means which which means they brokered a deal with Facebook. Yeah, they. So I think that that's probably what's happening at the moment. But I think they're also you know they have a long game. Right now, nobody's really make looking to make mad bread. They're just looking to stay relevant. So you get all these artists right. that are looking to stay relevant, like Nelly. Nelly can't really ask you for a bag for. But I'm not saying that Nelly isn't a big artist. I'm just saying he ain't really doing shit right, right. now. And, right this second, right. And right, me right. doing telling you to do a versus with Luda is bringing you more relevancy than you had over the last five years. So, like, right, because Luda has been relevant for the last five years, just doing movies. Right. So, so I'm putting you in a position. Um, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man, same thing. Although Beanie Man never died right. out, but you know, right. you're still not big enough to really force me to give you a huge bag for doing this. So I don't think anyone's really making money off of this right now, but I do think that they're gearing up for when things open back up that Yeah, the long game. This, yep, that long this game. This will mm-hmm. now be a concert. You know, ver- right. versus Drake versus fucking Meek Mill uh, coming to Madison Square Garden December 20th. I'm going to see that. I'm going to the garden to see that. I'm definitely going to see that. And, I'm definitely gonna and they that. go hit for hit performing it like live with, with bands and shit given given the fans what they want if, if the ticket is a calm 250 nigga we we, we gotta go we in there we like that would that's gonna be fire and you have it you have it where yo you as the artist you can control the stage like how you wanna do uh-huh. the stage shit you can pick whatever song you wanna do um you can have dances da 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 to really win this battle and then you get one half of the stage, and then Meek Mill, you get the next half of the stage, or Chris Brown versus Drake. That would be a good matchup. You do Chris Brown. Chris Brown versus Drake would be really fire. That would yeah, you happen. do one half, you do another half, and y'all really go at it for the next two hours, like, and give these niggas a show. And at the end of it, niggas could sit in the stand and they could vote with their phones. That's the next step of versus, y'all. I just gave y'all a gem. Have niggas be able to vote with their phone. Have them be able That's to go coming. to a link and vote who won so that you can really put these polls up there and really put some competition out there. So that let me just let me just let me let me just add it to what the big bro is saying versus is going to end up having 
a compartmentalized version of Instagram in a versus format. <laughs> and then you're going to click that fucking link or they're going to turn it into an app and the app is going to be like a, a a more miniature version of Instagram, but it's going to be particularly for the verses. And then you'll see your artists and then you'll click to see which um which time frame and, and which slot and which day people are performing. And then if you want to see that for what it is, if you can't physically leave, you live stream it, but you would be live streaming it from your phone. Then you just pay for that live stream service at the time. And then the voting, same shit on the they phone. They want to... Because right now... If they want to do it now, all they have to do is, is, is pin a link and you hit the link right. at the end of the thing. You go to the link and you you type who... You press who won, who didn't. In the future, verses will not exist on Instagram. They are, they no, are actively no, looking no. for a way to get off of Instagram because I feel right. like Instagram is not able to really... I mean, we all have Instagram, so it's working for the moment. But we're seeing right. the technical challenges that are, are happening yeah, with, with Instagram. So they either gonna move this thing to a website at some point or to another platform like YouTube or Twitch. Um, what they should do is they should try to do what the fuck um, URL just did. URL partnered. I forgot the name of the company, but they partnered with a company where instead of URL having um, the the freestyle battles streamed on URL. They connected with another company. It just streams on that service platform mm. by itself. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we looking mm. at. But um, yeah, bro, what's the tough knot? Let's get the fuck up out of here. Tough knot. Uh, yo, tough knot is listen. Uh, we spoke about it heavily towards the uh the penultimate end of this episode. Listen, guys. I think we're running out of shit to say to y'all regarding coronavirus. I'm gonna be honest. I I feel like we've been we've been holding it down for the podcasting world in terms of giving y'all this information and informing you guys step by step with statistics, articles straight from the New York Times, articles straight from you know links online, um, having talking to some people in our family, giving you stories on members of a family who died, uh, changes around the world. I don't know what the fuck else to say. Um, but what I will say is, like I always say on social media, stay informed and do as much as possible to preserve your life because the way that it's moving, man, this has become beyond what unpredictable is. I don't know what this shit is anymore. Um, China's already getting hit with a second wave. Our second wave hasn't come yet, but it will. And when it does... We just have to be prepared. I don't even know what the word prepared means for the second wave, to be honest. But uh, we just have to do what we think is best. So everybody out there, please be safe. That is a tough knot. Just stay informed as much as possible and do what you feel is safe. Uh, what would dad say? Honestly, I'm just in a very uh, appreciative mood for all the beautiful black queens out there. Um, shout out to all of my friends who I've been able to keep in contact with. And just have certain types of conversations with. Um, man, black women are just amazing. They're just amazing. They're beautiful. They just have so much to offer to the world. And I'm glad to see that it's happening to some extent. We still got a long way to go. But what would that say this week is just shout out to all the amazing black women out there. Holding it down. Doing what they do. Um, and being everyday heroes to the people in their family. Uh, so yeah. And I'm speaking, I, I definitely second I'm that. speaking to the positive ones, not nobody who's doing fuck shit. <laughs> so oh, I'm dead. sorry. That's not for you guys. I got another one for y'all next week, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, this has been another episode of dad has some bow ties.
Peace and love. Bye.